Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. It's time to play the music. Aye, aye, Captain. It, <laughs> <laughs> Richard, can I ask you a question for the start yes. of this episode? Yeah. I was wondering if you could tell me why are there so many songs about rainbows? Is that the whole question? That's the question, yeah. I was wondering if you could tell me that. All right. Well, actually, I... Like, if you want to lead straight into some dumb IMDb trivia, I usually do have an answer to that. Oh, can I guess what it is? Can I guess what the... Knowing what IMDb trivia is written, how it's written, yeah. I reckon I can guess functionally what this IMDb trivia is trying to right. get at. What? Is it going to say something like to the effect of, like, in Rainbow Connection, Kermit the Frog sings about how... asks why there are so many songs about rainbows, and in doing so, created the definitive song about rainbows. Is that is <laughs> something like that? Uh, no, it's not, actually. Um, oh. I'll, I'll, I'll put a pin on that just while we say... Uh, welcome along to the Cult Popsha podcast. This mm. is Film Franchise Fortnights, a show where every two weeks, uh, myself, Richard, and AJ, my my co-host, um, uh, we we watch and discuss a different film franchise, often uh, randomly chosen. Uh, however, the Muppets was uh, a suggestion by our Patreon, where for one dollar or more. Uh, you can suggest uh, every second franchise we do. This was a two-part episode. Uh, mm. Last week we did the uh, straight-to-TV slash VHS slash DVD uh, films, and today we're doing the theatrical films. Um, of course, Rainbow Connection, uh, the song from the Muppet movie, famously opens with the line, why there's so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side. Um, and you're doing dumb IMDb trivia straight out of the gate. Uh, this mm. is a segment. Uh, IMDb trivia is user submitted, so anyone can just fucking write whatever they want on yeah. it. And this piece of IMDb trivia says, um, to answer Kermit the Frog's immortal question, <laughs> there actually aren't that many songs about rainbows. <laughs> Maybe only a handful of famous ones. Rainbow by Casey Musgroves, Somewhere Over the Rainbow by The Wizard of Oz, which is presumably what the song is referencing um, because mm. it's a, like, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Um, yeah. I'm Always Chasing Rainbows by Harold Carroll, To Look to the Rainbow by Finian's Rainbow, Chasing Rainbows by Big Frida, Sing a Rainbow by Peggy Lee, and of course, Rainbow Connection by Paul Williams, who wrote Rainbow Connection. I only know one of those songs, and it's yeah. other than Rainbow Connection, and that's Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Um, I actually not finished. I'm less than halfway through this piece of IMDb Oh, wow. <laughs> There's a few others, but they're pretty obscure. There's actually many, many more songs about <laughs> rain. One, Singing in the Rain. 
Two, Rain by Madonna. Three, I Can See Clearly Now, The Rain Is Gone by Jimmy Cliff. Rain, Rain, Go Away, which is a nursery rhyme. Don't Rain in My Parade by Barbara Streisand from Funny Girl. I Think Mm. It's Going to Rain Today by Randy Newman. Purple Rain by Prince. Here Comes the Rain Again by Eurythmics. It's Raining Men by The Weather Girls, which actually I'd say technically isn't about rain. Um, (laughs) It's true. It's true. Who Will Stop the Rain by Credits Clearwater Revival. September Dogs Come On Rain Down by Melissa Etheridge. Raindrops Get Fall on My Head by BJ Thomas. And 13, (laughs) It Will Rain by Bruno Mars. So just like... And fun fact, here's 13 songs that are about rain. Um, Whoever's writing that IMDb trivia, like, no one was there to tell them to stop. Like, you've written mm. your piece of trivia, you know. I thought of two more, though. There's um, that one by Creed. Did that mention that one? What one? The one that goes, It feels like it's gonna rain like this for days. <laughs> nice. What was the second and then one? The, then there's Yuma, Arizona, which uh, goes... Um, when it rains, it pours in Yuma, Arizona. When it nice. rains, it pours. Um, I forget who that's by, though. It's by Adrian, someone or other. Liked it in high school. Anyway, um, they also, um, there's Rain by Dragon, which is a Kiwi band, and they also mentioned Who'll Stop the Rain by Credence Clearwater Revival, but didn't mention Have You Ever Seen the Rain by Credence Clearwater Revival. Anyway, Richard. I'm drinking a I'm drinking a Stoke NPA. I got this from oh, yeah. a, as a work present. I'm not a oh. beer guy. This thing is full of lemon wedges, so I can get through it. Um, <laughs> so I thought that's a little fun because you know the Muppets is a little more mature than I was expecting. Mm. I guess so. Jumping in with a little more mature than maybe people were expecting. AJ drinking a beer, <laughs> the hallmark of maturity. I'm drinking water, mm-hmm. and what is water if not rain holy shit and (laughs) yeah um so this yeah let's talk about the muppets dude i am i've got muppet fever we've been Mm. we said this we said this do we say this on the last episode or do we say this on the patreon episode where we talked about a shorter muppet thing we're like i don't remember the last time i was this entrenched in a franchise I, I, i willingly gave myself over to a franchise like this um like like there's ones like like james bond where you're like oh my god my life has been fucking consumed by this <laughs> dog shit franchise yeah. um whereas like the muppets i'm like yes i've been listening to like so much muppets on spotify if you look at my spotify search history it's all the muppets mm-hmm. mm. and also i think part of it as well is because as we discussed uh last last fortnight the Muppets expands and extends beyond movies, which we only cover movies on film franchise fortnights, but the Muppets of course has an entire media landscape of TV shows and shorts and um, video games, I guess, and, and things like that, that mainly TV stuff, I should say that, that really like if you're, if you're wanting to check out a Muppet thing, it's not very hard to look, to find it, you know? Yeah. You can find Muppet stuff wherever you look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so of course the main kind of thing is the Muppet Show, which was mm. um, uh, debuted in nineteen seventy four. Yeah. No, sorry, nineteen seventy six. I watched half an episode of it last night. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, it's a great show. I got a bit. I got a bit bored. I got a bit bored, but only because I was I was really late and I was kind of tired. Um, but <laughs> it was the episode with the first Muppet recording of Mahamana, which oh, isn't. Nice. 
a Muppet exclusive yeah. song, mm. <laughs> which yeah. surprised me. Um, but that was cool. It it was hosted by a woman who I was like, I wonder if I'm going to remember this lady's name, and I think it was Julia Prowse. Nice. It was season one, episode nineteen, I think. Mm. Um, if that helps, I think it was one of the first ones to air. Uh, notable observations: Miss Piggy didn't sound like Miss Piggy but was clearly still voiced by Frank Oz. Right. So between um, the the mid-season break of season three of The Muppet Show, uh, the Muppet movie was produced, which is the first movie we're talking about. Interesting. Today. Um, and so this was kind of, this was the first time that the Muppets were brought into the real world. And so there was a lot of complications brought along with that because obviously when it's just in the Muppet theater, you can control everything. Oh, like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, having to drag them, obviously the film opens with uh, Rainbow Connection, uh, which is Kermit playing a banjo, which is the first time a hand, ha- like a hand puppet's entire body was seen on film. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and it was done by like getting a 55 gallon drum with a breathing tube coming out of it, which Jim Henson was in, in the water um, <laughs> controlling um, with like a little monitor so he could monitor his performance. Nice. I do. Yeah, I did wonder about that. I'll, I'll mention this now because otherwise I'll never mention it. Um, last last fortnight we watched Kermit's Swamp Years, um, which yeah. was supposed to be a prequel to all of this stuff. Um, it, it doesn't not tie in to the you know like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. surprisingly canonically sound to what we see in the theatrical movies, which I thought was pretty nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I did wonder about the how how because he's clearly in a swamp. Yeah, it's not a fake. He's in the middle swamp. of like a lake. Yeah, yeah. So whoever is whoever is what well, Jim Henson yeah. performing as Kermit has to be under the water to do a lot yeah. of that stuff. Um, but let's let's go through the the plot of this film. So, in nineteen seventy nine, uh, directed mm-hmm. by James Frawley, and it's kind of the origin story of the Muppets, right? So, this the takes place before the Muppet Show. It's a road movie of them going from wherever they live to LA to sign a big contract. Um, where they meet all, most of the main characters along the way, including, um, well, not including, but they also run into the villain who wants Kermit to be his Ronald yeah, McDonald. Doc, Doc Hopper. Doc, Doc Hopper, who wants Kermit to be his Ronald McDonald-esque mascot for his franchise chain of Frog's Legs fast food. Yeah. Um, and Kermit doesn't want to do it. And so he's pursued by that villain um, all the way through. And yeah. then they get to LA and they just sign a contract from Orson Welles. Yeah, um, it's fucking great. It's a great, it's a fantastic <laughs> ending. Um, so you're like, literally, they get, they managed to get um, in front of Lou Lord, um, who just, who gives them a standard rich and famous contract. Yeah. Uh, which actually becomes a big plot point in a later film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, and then it all kind of just like works out fine. But also the film was bookended by the Muppets in the theater watching their first film yes so this is something i think we need to keep track of for each movie is there are two levels of muppet reality there is (laughs) this is a film the muppets have made and then there's this is happening to the muppets and surprisingly the muppet movie even though it's an origin story is like a retelling of their origin story which was presumably not filmed so yeah it's it's a biopic starring themselves yeah yeah exactly um which 
uh you would maybe it's it's weird to think of this one as you know because obviously like a christmas carol is them telling a story but this is like putting on a play kind of thing (laughs) um and you'll be surprised which ones happen to be based in reality and which ones aren't so (laughs) yeah um it is um what, what what did you think of the film Okay, I I it starts. Had you seen Ray- it before? As no, well. I'd I'd never seen it before. I'd only seen Christmas Carol, uh, the 2011 soft reboot, and I remember flashes of Treasure Island when it when it would have come out in '96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I hadn't seen it again since. Um, I'll tell you, like the Great Muppet Caper and Takes Manhattan, and completely like never seen a frame from either of right, those yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I I loved it. I thought that the the it opens on Rainbow Connection, which I'm I'm so enamored by. I've been thinking about it and, and listening to it obviously, and just thinking about what it means because it it stands out as a kids musical movie song because it's not. It's not really clear what he's singing about. It's not. It's not like yeah. A- I, I, I want to talk about that as well because yeah, it, it is it, the the message of the song is like really interesting. I think mm, and, yes. yeah, but but keep going. So it's not like um I don't know I can go the distance from Hercules where it's like yeah. tangibly about his what he wants and and where he wants to go. It's more like just Kermit singing a nice little love well not love song like a ballad that you're not supposed to, like usually in movie musicals you're supposed to be explicitly thinking about the message being communicated through the song that's actually mm. their purpose for a lot of it uh and yet, yeah i do, i wouldn't categorize rainbow connection as that um, well yeah it's 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 a bit of an i want song but it's not super clear what, uh, what i mean it is obviously it's like the chorus of the song but i like to me i love because yeah, like you say, it does stand out a lot. It was nominated for best original song at the Oscars. Kermit performed um, uh, at the Oscars in, in 1980. It oh, lost nice. to "It Goes Like It Goes" from Norma Ray, some fucking song no one's ever heard of. <laughs> um, but like, one of the interesting things about Rainbow Connection is it's like the opening song from the Muppet movie has been um, it's been covered by um, the Carpenters. Uh, mm. Willie Nelson, Sarah McLaughlin, Jason Mraz, Weezer, yeah. uh, Gwen Stefani. It's like all, all these like <laughs> insane, uh, you know, people that it's like, why are they, you know, covering some dumb kids movie song? But I think that there's like, there's such a beautiful like universality to it. And like, I think what kind of makes the song work, and for me anyway, is like from its outset, it, it appears to be a cynical song. Because it's all about like, why are there so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions and only illusions. And rainbows, have, I'm just saying the lyrics now. Yeah, um, yeah. And rainbows have nothing to hide. And it's and it's that's very like, it, it, like it sounds cynical, being like all these people. And it talks about like what's so amazing that keeps us stargazing. Um, my favorite line in the song is is when he talks about um. Who said that every wish would be heard and answered when washed on the morning star? Somebody thought of that and someone believed it. And look, look yeah. what's done so far. And it's it's all it's all very cynical. But the chorus is someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection. And it's talking about like there there has to be a reason all these people are singing about this. And the lovers, yeah. the dreamers, and me, myself are gonna find what that connection is. Yeah. And it, it's it's gorgeous. It's saying, um, it's almost it almost pulls the rug out from under you because it's saying, yeah. um, this is all superstitious nonsense. 
but my God, believers are so happy. You know, my mm. God, believers have done it. They've achieved it. So mm. there is something. There is a magic. There is. A, it's, it's a very faith-based song almost. It's mm. like there has to be something more to this because I've seen those that believe there is more to this um, receive their their wants and their, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's hopeful. It's a song about hope, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really loved that. I love uh, Moving Right Along, which is a song yeah. I became aware of when one of my students sent me it um, maybe two or three months ago, um, not knowing that I'd be doing the Muppets and only, only <laughs> a few months later, um, <clears throat> which I think is such a fun fucking song. And again, <laughs> conceptually, it's so interesting. So the the, the song is, and it use it, they reuse it as like a musical motif for whenever the... Yeah the show gets on the road again basically um and it goes like and so like it'll play that little interlude whenever they start moving again and i love it because the the concept of the song is essentially Fozzie and kermit singing about you know they're on the road and and they've got a destination in mind and then right before the chorus one of them says something kind of poorly worded or awkward and it kind of stops them and then they go moving right along like it's like moving right along literally moving the car and moving right along as in don't don't worry about it let's move on <laughs> you know because he's like we'll, we'll hitchhike bus or yellow cabot and he's like yellow cabot moving right along <laughs> it's great it's so it's so funny and I think it, it encapsulates what's what's special about the Muppets comedy is um, it's very human and it's very timeless and very based in like people just uh, being people and saying silly things and doing silly things. Um, and like a lot of the Muppets is, is purely just funny because it's a, a big, funny looking bear doing doing the joke you know when we first meet fozzy um he's doing stand-up at a bar and his his opening joke is like is something about like what did the fat guy say to da 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 and this fat guy stands up and he's like what did he say and he's like um well he didn't say anything and everybody thought he was great and didn't have any problems with him at all (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so funny it's like they're so human they're such Mm. human characters and it's so easy to say that thinking about like it's humans voicing them but the the we talked about this as well is like just the the artistry of puppetry is the best it's ever been in the Muppets. Yeah. And and in this movie especially, it's it's filmmaking, man. Like it's 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 filmmaking in the sense that like and what's what's so cool about filmmaking is is it's essentially here's a box the audience can't see outside this box so everything outside the box makes everything that happens in the box work right mm. so you see Kermit walk down a cobblestone pathway the only reason you think he's in a cobblestone pathway is because you cut to a wide and saw it when you cut to the mid shot there are trenches that men are walking through <laughs> holding their hands up bobbing yeah. their hand up and down to make Kermit move and it's it's filmmaking you know it's magic yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, like, so, so I mentioned, like, like following on from that, there's the, the full body shot of Kermit in, in the lake, um, mm. on the swamp, I should say. Um, but then there's also, uh, probably the most difficult shot to pull off was him riding a bicycle. It's, um, how, how do you make that shot? <laughs> it was like a, a marionette crane. Um, wow. and like all these different pulleys. Yeah. It's insane. Because they mask out the, the marionette strings and stuff as yeah, well yeah yeah um because yeah like they, they have they have strings that control their hands um or like they're on sticks mm. 
Um, but yeah, I, I have seen this movie before and, and yeah, I love it. Like, um, the fact that, yeah, like it, it's such a unique brand of humor. I mean, it's, it's kind of come full circle now with that. It. It's like the most popular thing. Um, mm. but you know, meta being the new funny, but I mean, the Muppets kind of like, you mm. know, it feels like they really brought that into the forefront. Like there's a whole plot point in this where they, um, that they just they get to the next from the point A to point B because they read it in the script. Um, yeah. <laughs> they 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 give they meet um uh what is it Doctor Mayhem and the Electric Teeth. Um, no, Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, and and they give them the script and they meet them up later, meet up with them later, and like, how do you know we'd be here? It's like it's in the script you gave us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I. I think if I the, the so I gave this movie four point five stars out of yeah. five, and I'd like to talk about where that point five knocks off. Um, and that is, it's it's one of those movies where everything else is so fun in it that it feels like the writers cut themselves a break on making a story arc because it that they essentially defeat Doc Hopper by giving Animal a growth serum and turning him into a giant that scares mm. Doc Hopper There was away. actually a giant um, puppet as well. It wasn't oh, cool. miniatures. That's awesome. Um, but And I like the visual. The visual's fine. It's just you're shown the growth serum two minutes before he uses it, you know? So it's <laughs> not... It's very... And I, I wouldn't mark it down if I didn't think the Muppets could do it. Like, these are movies that can have story arcs, but I feel like the first three don't really they don't mm. not not in a way that you would think they should i guess and that that's not it's not even a bum bumming me out it's more like i can i have a vision of a slightly better muppet movie that has yeah. like a more complete and more well-told story arc i guess yeah um the uh just before we move on um sure about Moving the end right of the along. film <laughs> um so the end the film ends with like a reprisal of rainbow connection um, and the camera pans out to essentially every Muppet ever made in one yeah, shot. Yeah. Um, and they're all moving. And that was essentially just like, um, yeah, they, they, they got in 137 extra puppeteers, just basically putting out a call to like the puppeteers of America being like, who wants to operate a puppet, like stand in this pit with 200 other people um, and operate a, a Muppet for a wide shot. And like, you know, everyone fucking available did it. But um uh John Landis, the director, is mm-hmm. um Grover in that final shot. Um, Grover's because, in the final shot. Yeah. Um I thought Grover was a Sesame Street exclusive. Um and um well it's it's, it's just like every Muppet puppet ex- right. in existence. And so because there's a weird thing where the like Elmo, Grover, etc. are all Muppets, but they're not part of the Muppets. So I can explain this. I looked this up because um, we are going to actually be covering some Sesame Street movies um, in a little bit. Spoilers. Um, Not not on this episode, but later down the track. Um, Essentially, you've got to think of it like the Muppets existed. Sesame Street needed characters for its concept and so jim henson was like i've got the muppets so the so the muppets are the main characters in sesame street but it's 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 similar to machete and spy kids where it's like 
Machete isn't really a spin-off of Spy Kids. It's more that Machete was a character created by Robert Rodriguez that he just put in Spy Kids as mm. well as reserving him for other things. So it's less like they're spin-offs from each other because they're owned by completely different conglomerates at this point mm. as well. Um and it, yeah, it's less like they're 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 spin-offs and more like the Sesame Street stars the Muppets, I guess, is a way yeah. to think of it. Well, I th- like I think as well that just like from from a real world perspective, that any puppet made by the Jim Henson Company can be referred to as a Muppet. It's like right. that's their their kind of brand. But there's like the Muppets is a troop of actors, yeah, um, yeah. who take their name from what they are, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But also, uh, Tim Burton is in that in the pit in that final scene as well, um, operating a puppet. Uh, which one do you know? I uh, don't. No, I bet it was. I bet it was fucking like Sweetums. I bet he's in the Sweetums suit. <laughs> um, also, um, Big Bird makes an appearance in the film as well. Um, yes, further blurring the line between Sesame Street and the Muppets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, absolutely. He, they, they pass him. He's he's on his way to to break out in public broadcast television, <laughs> uh, which is obviously because, reference to the fact that Sesame Street's on PBS. Yeah, Sesame Street is also. I think Sesame Street is like explicitly set in New York as well feels like it is right and this this movie's about getting to la so that it's almost like we're dealing just with the east coast and west coast versions of the of this this wild world that sometimes is a movie within a movie and sometimes is not <laughs> yeah uh all right so moving right along mm-hmm. uh to dun, the, dun. the great muppet caper oh what does muppet movie have on ron tomatoes what do you think it has uh 95 percent you close uh, it's 88 nice although so before the end of this episode there will be a movie which has 95 percent on ron tomatoes oh, is it the muppet great muppet caper <laughs> it is not um all right what is the great muppet caper about uh this is the least story-based one for me so forgive me if i struggle to remember it and there is there's like a missing jewel and this one is set in the real world no, it's yeah. not. It's not. No, it's not. It's actually, it's them. It's like the Muppets putting on a movie where they're playing yeah, yeah, the yeah. characters. Yeah, um, because Kermit have, and Fozzie are playing identical twins. Yeah, yeah. And they, they are playing detectives. It's a detective movie um, where like a, a, a diamond necklace has gone missing. And so all the characters have the, the names of the Muppets in real life. But it's it's it explicitly says at the start that it's not... This, they're like we made a movie and you're going to watch our movie mm. um and so yeah this one this is the only one directed by jim henson yeah uh it is yes yeah yeah um so yeah there you go that is that what it's about what anything else uh, yeah it's it's like one? um a weird kind of common occurrence for the like a type sequel trope um for these kind of things like we had with herbie um and like beethoven is that one's like a heist thing and like maybe it's like this this could potentially be like the the trope inventor of like yeah your sequel has to be a british um yeah because it's set set in london as well which is a significant thing that um that uh sets it apart from the first film um but in uh muppets most wanted someone makes a joke about how heist comedies never work i wonder (laughs) if they're referring to this one I <laughs> um yeah and i mean i don't remember too much from it there's a hot air balloon scene it opens and closes with one um, yeah yeah and they, they, there's the hot air balloon and the credits start appearing in the sky and they like comment on the credits yeah that's right um i don't 
this was probably my least favorite of the like classic ones just because i i don't remember any of the songs from it do you remember any of the songs uh no i don't actually <laughs> um so yeah it's just them trying to get a, a the diamond necklace back and i like i sat down and watched this movie i wasn't i wasn't cheating i just don't mm. remember it that well um which is a bit of a bummer um but yeah oh there's hey you... a movie which was the kind of main song which one sorry hey a movie okay i don't remember it um yeah so um i do my favorite joke in this film is like there's a running gag of um yeah kermit and Fozzie being identical twins yeah um and they they keep getting confused for each other despite obviously being different species and there's Mm -hmm. a bit where kermit is sitting on a park bench by himself and this couple walk past and the woman's like oh look at that bear (laughs) and he goes that's a frog, honey. Bears have hats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's so great. It's so good. Uh, okay, this is the one where they stay at the Happiness Hotel. Sorry, yeah. I just needed to pull up the Wikipedia page to remind me of some stuff. Yeah, so, and there was a song so, about the Happiness Hotel as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this real rundown rundown place. Yeah, Lady Holiday's in it. Um, I feel bad. I feel like I don't remember this one as well, but maybe no, that's great. Is... Yeah, so it stars Diana Rigg, who passed away yeah, recently. Um, that's right. She, our second Diana Rigg franchise of the year, because she is uh, she married James Bond in, uh, oh, what one is it? On a Majesty Secret Service? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also uh, stars Charles Grodin from um, Beethoven. Mm. And according to another piece of dumb IMDb trivia, uh, this is Charles Grodin's only Muppet movie. <laughs> To be fair, Whippy Goldberg does have three. And so, um and uh what's his name? Um fuck, I've forgotten his name. Ray Liotta um has two as well. Yep, so does um David Arquette. Yeah. What's your Muppet number, bro? <laughs> <laughs> There's also an extended um John Cleese scene of this film. Ah, oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. So John Cleese is like there's a scene where um he's talking to his wife while Miss I Piggy's think about to... John Cleese is like uh he's like Monty Python or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to Piggy's trying to break in because she's told Kermit that's where she lives and she wants to impress him. Um, it's fun. I I yeah, as I say, I think the fact that it has um so little story to it makes it hard for me to to quite remember. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, Oscar the Grouch also has a cameo. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I <laughs> like because I did enjoy this film, and yeah. and like we we talked about this last week that there's a, a like yeah there, there's a very definitive flaw to how much I can enjoy the Muppet to how little I can enjoy the Muppets, mm. and it's quite high, you know, like yes. the Muppets at their very worst is still great. Mm. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, and 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 as like. I was thinking about this, like whether or not I would consider myself a lifelong Muppet fan. I think I can. I think because okay. I like, like you, I remember seeing um, uh, Muppet Treasure Island when it came out, and I was three. And I've I've always liked the Muppets. I've I've never like you know devoted my life to them in any way. And and when we get to Muppets twenty eleven, I can talk a little bit about my experience with that film. Um, but yeah, I think I think I can say I've been a Muppet fan for. You know, as long as I can remember. Right. That's the first I've heard you talk about them in the, <laughs> the half decade we've been friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. We haven't been friends. 
<laughs> that was a very um, Muppet-esque joke. Also, um, I, I, it's worth mentioning as well. It, when we did, uh, at the start of this year, we did a podcast, um, which was all um, the, the Patreon suggestions for an off week. And I did my top 10 um theme non-bond movie theme songs and i forgot rainbow connection which was a massive oversight on my part um which would be a lifelong muppet fan dude would i know i know (laughs) yeah so i i kind of do like it feels like we're moving on moving right along very quickly from the great muppet caper and spoiler alert we probably will from the muppets take manhattan as well but i think there's just so many like there's just other things i'm so excited to talk about and that I have so much more to say about. So it's like the Great Muppet Caper. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but it's a great Muppet Caper. Yeah. Um, and what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, 70. 76. 76. So moving right along to the Muppets Take Manhattan, which came out in 1984. Uh, this was this one was directed by Frank Oz. And what's it about? Oh wait, I've got a dumb I've got a piece of up top useless statistics for the Muppets, uh, the Great Muppet Caper. Something to talk about. I wrote this down and I searched for it just now so I could tell you it. Uh, the Great Muppet Caper makes the Muppets our second franchise featuring a film from the 80s where a character ironically laments that there's never a cab when you need one. <laughs> yeah, um, another connection to James Bond because in A View to a Kill, uh, James Bond says there's never a cab when you need one while atop the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. And in this movie, um, after a cab drives directly into the, the Happiness Hotel and destroys a bunch of property, one I think it might be Statler or Wardorf or someone, who, by the way, love Statler and Wardorf. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like it. There's never a cab when you need one. So there you go. I, I like... Um... Do you reckon Statler and Waldorf are like a couple of old queens that like you know like a, like an elderly gay couple who just go and just bitch like that <laughs> um that Ian McKellen sitcom whatever that's called I don't there's that. an there's an Ian McKellen sitcom about a couple of old queens as you put it um, um but yeah like like these two two old men who have who go to the theater together every week <laughs> and just and just bitch and moan about it. It's yeah. like, yeah, I like the idea that they're this like old gay couple who are like interesting, interesting interpretation. I saw them as proto podcasters, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're also like I saw someone refer to them as like, um, oh, you know, the movie Rat Race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. how it's like the type of old people who like get together and like make ridiculous dares and like bets with each mm. other about things. It's like they're the kind of like those kind of people that they go and they just have lots of money and then kind of like, yeah, no, great. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Rat Race, another John Cleese film as well. Mm. Connections <laughs> being drawn all over the place today. Yeah, it's insane. They're everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, what is that about? Uh, so this is um, this is our first one that is uh, from all from what I can see set in the real world, um, and not a um, not a movie within a movie. Though that being said, it kind of very softly writes over their origin story in a way mm. um, and sort of a non-confrontational theoretically they could still exist in the same universe but i'd need to understand how um which is basically that this time the muppets are um graduating college together 
and um, from Danhurst College, it says here. Um, and everyone loves their show. They've they've put on a theatre production called uh, Manhattan Maladies, which you never see or hear a lot of from in the movie but occasionally they'll go to break out to, into song to show people it when they're pitching it and it's very funny because it's it's very quick it's very quick and kermit just goes one two three and then at least 15 muppets behind him all start moving and singing in unison and it's like <laughs> it's it's again it's one of those things where it's like i fucking take this for granted man like ima- get, imagine getting that shot Imagine you're the director for this film, right? And yeah, you're yeah, tr- yeah. you're trying to choreograph. Imagine that you're um, Frank Oz. Yeah, yeah, I'm Frank Oz. You're, so you're even in the you'll be in the puppets as well, yeah. trying to choreograph it so that everyone moves in synchronization. Uh, you know, creatures they can't actually see, um, for the sake of a joke that's so funny but so intrinsically muppet you shouldn't really even notice it you know yeah. and that's what i thought of that one is they they go one two three and then it'll start bobbing their heads in, in unison it's very funny um mm. so basically they all convince kermit to try and take the show to manhattan um to get it on on broadway um while they're there though they uh they start running out of money eventually kermit stays in manhattan while a bunch of the other muppets move around america to to get jobs um and uh eventually through trial and a lot of hard work um kermit manages to sell manhattan maladies to a big shot uh manhattan producer only to then be hit by a car and lose all his memories um not not before he tells all the muppets to come back to manhattan and so the sort of last act of the film is all the muppets looking for kermit because he's gone missing and then when they finally find him he can't remember who they are and it's not until they put on the show that um it become he he sort of regains his memories and then it ends with miss piggy uh tricking kermit into marrying her (laughs) (laughs) very funny and there's a fraggle rock cameo in this movie Mm. as well yeah i'm not i'm not super familiar with fraggle rock it's like the um like i know what it is but did you ever watch it no but it's 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 almost like the uh I want to say like the Futurama to the Muppet Simpsons, and that right, it's, yeah. a, it's a lot more canon heavy. It's a lot more story based kind of things, um, or um, or Samurai Jack to the Muppets Dexter's Laboratory is maybe a better comparison. <laughs> or maybe I'm thinking just thinking of the Dark Crystal. Maybe I'm just thinking. Yeah, the that. Dark Crystal is definitely like a um, and then they did that reboot, which is apparently very good. Mm, yes, um, I've heard that as well. Um, so this was the final Muppet film before Jim Henson's death. By the way, the saddest thing ever, man. Jim Henson, like, what did he, what, do you know what he died from? Uh, I actually don't. Let me look that up. Because it was, it was untimely. You know, it was, he was quite young, I think, when he died, uh, relatively. He was certainly. Yeah, he was 53. Sort of, 53, man. That sucks. It's so sad. I've, I listened to a podcast a long time ago that was like a biography mm. of Jim Henson. Um, and it basically sounds like no one no one in the world was ready for jim henson mm, to die yeah. you know and it was sort of um, a, at the very peak of of the muppets as a as a feel-good brand yeah he um strip pneumonia an infection that causes bacterial pneumonia um and he they it was reclassified later as being 
um, toxic shock syndrome caused by something. Um, Damn. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so it was a, a bacterial infection, really. Yeah. Um, but have you ever watched his funeral? Yeah, I've, I've watched... This week I watched Big Bird sing It's Not Easy Being Green oh. at, his, at his memorial, and it's breathtaking. <laughs> it's Yeah, and there's... Um, just one person oh god gets me because mm. it's the song about like if just one person believes in you right um, maybe you can do it and then that one person can become two person people and then the three and then a whole bunch of people believing in you and like a different performer comes out like each time until it's like all these ones and oh my god it's like it, yeah yeah i read a it's comment beautiful. on the big bird thing that was basically like I remember watching this as a kid and wondering why Kermit wasn't going to sing anything and then realizing because Jim Henson plays Kermit, yeah. which is like such a devastating like thing to forget, but also mm. again speaks to the kind of magic of the, of the puppets. Um, yeah. There, there's a, um, there's a, a, like a Disney released an image um, of like Mickey comforting mm. Jim, he- uh, Kermit the Frog. Um and God, I love like those kind of things. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, there's the one of when Mel Blanc died, uh, who voiced like all the Looney Tunes of them, mm. um, you know, standing at like an empty microphone, just speechless. There's yeah. another good one when when Homer's Italian, Homer the Homer the Simpson, <laughs> Homer Simpson's um, uh, Italian voice actor died, and there's like a shot of him looking really sad and a speech bubble. It's in Italian, but it says um, Homer, why are you so quiet today? that's that's really depressing <laughs> yeah um back to the muppets take manhattan i actually do remember some of the songs from this one unlike oh. the last one um together again which next to rainbow connection feels like the more tr- one of the more transcendent muppet songs together yeah. again um but the <laughs> the thing i want to call out in this film um <laughs> is a- yeah i'm calling it out yeah yeah um is a song called i'm i'm gonna always love you um which is a weird scene and a weird song so basically uh, i think it's after they after kermit remembers who he is um miss piggy is riding with him on a horse and carriage and no it mustn't be it must be before this actually i think it's after they get back together because they split up briefly and then get back together and she says to him um can you imagine what it would have been like if we had met when we were babies which i guess is a way to get around canonically ignoring that we've seen them meet in the muppet movie and then it cuts to a sequence where muppet babies sing the song and it's strange because i always assumed that the muppet babies cartoon from the 80s was a cartoon because they couldn't be bothered making the real (laughs) puppets but they're right here and they're the same the exact same designs Mm. as the cartoons and i'm presuming as well that muppet babies was a spin-off essentially to the muppets take manhattan um and it's a song sung by a baby miss piggy and she's very hard to understand because it's not a voice that lends itself to clear singing and in, in, mm. in the type of movie where lyrics are kind of important to understand but she's sing, essentially singing about like how she's gonna be she's gonna do all these things when she grows up and she's like and i'm gonna be a veterinarian too and i'm always gonna love you and and it's like about how much she's gonna love kermit 
despite all the the dreams she's going to achieve. Uh, it offers, it does nothing to the forward momentum of the story. Um, and it's, it's a very strange, I, I didn't mind the song. It's just the strangest yeah. part of the movie. Yeah, it's one of those classic, like, um, yeah, just bringing the movie to a halt because you came yeah. up with an idea for a song. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly um, what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, uh, th- this is kind of lighter on the big kind of cameos. It does have, Oh, it's got mm-hmm. a few like Art Carney, um, Elliot Gould, um, who makes a second appearance. John Landis, um, Liza Minnelli, John Rivers, Book Shields. Actually, it's a pretty impressive list. But um, uh, it was originally going to have um, a lot bigger kind of list of cameos. Dustin Hoffman, Steve Martin, Michael Jackson, Lily Tomlin, uh, Richard Pryor, and Laurence Olivier. Wow. Um, but then, and so Dustin Hoffman was going to play a Broadway producer and was going to do an imitation of uh, film producer Robert Evans, who produced The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, he later did an impression of a film called Wag the Dog. But at the last minute, um, Dustin Hoffman decided uh, that Robert Evans might be offended by the role and dropped out. And then all the other big names just dropped out. So, oh, if Dustin Hoffman's not doing it. Um, and then, so they actually had to like rewrite a lot of the film's dialogue to work around losing that all these sucks. That sucks. That 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 what a bummer. It's the Muppets. You'd pull out mm. all the stops for the Muppets. Especially like, like should... someone like like Mike, like Steve Martin has had like a very long standing relationship with the Muppets. Um mm. someone like Michael Jackson, like his relationship with the Simpsons, you'd think that he would like love these kind of like mm. Yeah. That's where um, Richard Pryor's in the Muppet movie as well. So Steve Martin actually. So mm. Um, I think that the this is the canonical first appearance of Rizzo the Rat as well. Uh, he's they, in Great Muppet Caper. Is he? Mm, and he was in the Muppet Show. He debuted in the Muppet Show. Yeah, we um, talked a about year on, before on the Great Patreon. Muppet Caper. I didn't recognize him in the Great Muppet Caper. He he's he meets the characters in this one. I yeah, guess, yeah. Um, when they're working at the diner, and I thought I loved the the diner owner who was this old Italian man, and like at one point a bunch of rats and Kermit are asking him for work. And he's yeah. like, yeah, getting w- asked for work from rats and frogs. What's next? Penguins? And then a bunch of penguins uh, waddle in and be like, hey, we were just wondering if you had any work for us. <laughs> Is that your Rizzo? No, I, that was my um, Italian right. diner owner. My Rizzo's more like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mupp- Muppet voices aren't very hard to do, are they? Well, that's I feel- the thing, I think, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> um, but also, uh, Rizzo the Rat, speaking of Dustin Hoffman, um, the kind of accent and, and, and mannerisms are based on uh, Dustin Hoffman's character from Midnight Cowboy, uh, Ratso Rizzo. Oh, wow. There yeah. you go. Um, yeah, so I, I like this one more than The Great Muppet Caper, um, but not as much as the Muppet movie. What does it have on Roddy T's? Uh, what do you think? 80. 83. 83. Yep. So, yeah, above um, Great Muppet Caper. but I think I agree with all movie. of these ra- yeah. ratings so far. So far. All right, let's, uh, let's move right along. Dug-a-dun, dug-a-dun. Uh, two, 1992, uh, the first Muppets production produced by the Walt Disney Company. Uh, and the reason that this franchise makes sense to do at this time of year <laughs> muppets christmas carol the muppets christmas carol the only one of these i'd really seen multiple times yeah um and knew a lot about um this is the best muppet movie i believe mm-hmm. do you agree uh, uh yeah like muppets 2011 is very close to my heart 
Um, right. It's always this film, actually, but uh, yeah. Anyway. I think this is the best one, and I think this uh, this this uh, created a blueprint for Muppet movies going forward that they, for some reason, only did one more time yeah, with yeah. Tre- Treasure Island and then never picked up again. Because the way we'll probably be well, talking there's something about... Like, like the Muppet Wizard of Oz feels like an attempt to do this that we discussed last episode. Yeah, so I think Muppet Wizard of Oz just... Like, Wizard of Oz just isn't... This is a dumb way to look at it. Wizard of Oz isn't as good of a story as Christmas Carol or Treasure Island. I think that's what it comes down to. It's it's too rudimentary in comparison. But yeah, so this was directed by Brian Henson, Jim Henson's son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and it's the the, first movie after after Jim Henson's death. Hmm. And this, I think you can look at the Muppets theatrical films as two and a half trilogies basically you know mm. you've got the the first three which are like the 80s set almost the kermit center stage yeah. um trilogy then there's three in a row which i'm going to call the gonzo trilogy because gonzo <laughs> takes center stage in all three of them to some degree or at least he's pretty prominent more prominent than kermit i would say yeah. and at least christmas carol and muppets from space and then you've got the like modern reboot which they never made a third version of but i would love to refer to this as the um tales from the public domain trilogy yeah yeah. they didn't they didn't do it that way so yeah muppets christmas carol um it's if you don't know a christmas carol it's essentially a story written by charles dickens set in what 18th century is 18th century 19th century england Uh, 19th century yeah um about a grumpy old rich man named ebenezer scrooge who um on christmas eve is visited by ghosts who show him the past, the present, and the future of Christmas, and change his ways to be from from being crotchety and angry yeah. to kind and loving. And what's significant about this film is that um, it stars Michael Caine in the role of Ebenezer Scrooge in what might be the performance of his career. <laughs> yeah, and then also, um, and then obviously the Muppets round out the rest of the cast. There's a couple of other human characters, but mm. it's yeah, essentially it's Michael Caine surrounded by Muppets. Um, yeah, so so you've got just just to go through the kind of characters, you've yep. got uh, Bob Cratchit who works for Scrooge as. Um, is Kermit, um, uh, Fezziwig is, has changed to Fozziwig, um, who's, uh, like a, an old friend of, um, Fozzie or no, no, he, he's, he's, uh, Scrooge's old boss, um, right. who's actually not in most adaptations of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Uh, Miss Piggy plays the, the wife, Kermit's wife. Um, uh, you got Gonzo and Rizzo are like the narrators of the story. Gonzo's playing Charles Dickens. And so that mm. was their way to be able to have like actual lines from A Christmas Carol in mm. the film. Um, yeah, those are kind of the main ones, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and, the, and, and all three of the ghosts are original Muppets. Um, it was originally going to be um, like, I think it was Gonzo was going to be part. Um, no, Gonzo is going to be future, and he's wearing the black hood with just his nose pointing out. Yeah. Um, Piggy was going to be present, and um, uh, who was it? Uh, Scooter or Robin were going to be past. 
that does make sense because that is one of the most interesting things about this movie is that mm. um, I actually watched a Simpsons episode tonight where they make a joke about how TV shows have been milking dry the Christmas Carol story for years and they flick on and there's an Urkel one and they change the channel to a, a Star Trek one. And yeah. it is something you see done a lot. Like TV shows yeah. have the Christmas Carol allegory episode. Yeah. And when it when it comes to writing these, it really does just come down to which character is Scrooge and which character which characters are the three ghosts mm. and i i that this is one of those things where i look at a movie and i realize um it's smarter than me like if i was mm. given the reins i would not have made this good a movie because i would have gone all right which three muppets are the three ghosts yeah. but they make them these original characters the ghost of christmas past is a terrifying like haunting little it, wooden it's like puppet. it's like a porcelain doll type looking oh it's so scary and the ghost of christmas present is is a really is sort of like um it's like hagrid yeah yeah and then the ghost of christmas still to come is it's like uh, a dementor he's the grim reaper essentially and it works the reason this is the best muppet movie and the reason this works so well as a movie is because it it takes the serious parts seriously very seriously to the point Mm. where you forget you're watching a muppet movie um at points because the the ghost of christmas still to come um if that had been Gonzo, that would have potentially completely mm. sabotaged the dramatic uh, weight of the scene because you've got Michael Caine again giving the performance of his career, begging, begging for his his life and an existential reflection yeah. in a character and you actually get a moment where rizzo and gonzo who watch on omnisciently where they go this is getting too scary we'll see you at the end kids yeah, and yeah. so <laughs> they, they actually remove the what the makes it a, a, the comedy they remove the any because even just looking at a muppet is co- comedic right oh, yeah. so they, they take that out of it completely and you just have this beautiful fucking scene that's like, why is this the best Christmas carol? Why is yeah. the best adaptation, you know? And I think what makes the Muppets work so well when it works is how seriously the human actors take the role. Yeah. Um, and it, they don't always need to. Muppets 20, 2011 is a great example of like, uh, Jason Siegel didn't need to play this straight, and he didn't, and it's 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 fine. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, we'll talk about it more more there. Sure. But I, I, like, it works so well in this film. Michael Caine um, apparently like lobbied for the role because right. he um he he missed out on on a cameo or he missed out on doing an episode of the, of the Muppet Show because he was living in the US and they were shooting in the UK and. He had all these friends, Steve Martin, Sylvester Stallone, whoever that had said, "Oh my god, I have su- I had such a good time working on the Muppet Show," and he and he was always so gutted that he missed out. And then, um, so when he found out they were making this, he was like, "I, I need to do this." And then he, when he met with the director, he uh, with Brian Henson, um, he said. I'm going to play this movie like I'm working for the Royal Shakespeare Company. I'll never wink. I'll never do anything Muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly, utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. And Brian Henson was like, yes, you get it. Like, it's and, and an, that's it's the thing. It's, it's not only is it, is it Michael Caine, like you, you, yeah, you said it's the performance of his career. Not only is it like, oh, he's great in that movie. It's like he is giving it his all. Like yeah. Michael Caine <laughs> is now one of those actors similar to Morgan Freeman who will just take a paycheck. Um mm. And it's quite happy to just show up and and do the Michael Caine thing or do the Morgan Freeman thing. But in this, he is giving it his all. And it's like, yeah, he he understands that the the drama works so much better 
when it's surrounded by all the silliness. It's like, um, and that, that's why like, um, like Bojack Horseman works and why, why Shane Black sets his movies at Christmas is because if you're going far, like to one side, um, being like, oh, look how silly everything the world is. And like, look at how jo- jovial it is at Christmas. Um, you can actually go further into the dramatic side because, uh, you, you know, you're kind of tricked along going mm-hmm. there. So you're, you're seeing like Michael came begging for his life, begging for a second chance at life. Um, but you're like, it's a Muppet movie. So like, you're, you're kind of like, there's the safety net. And yeah, so it's like you and- can you can do a kids movie where it's like you know he's begging for this. It, it, it's fantastic. It's such a good movie. And it, like this this is one of those movies that you 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 think because I, yeah I watched this a lot as a kid and you're like oh yeah I must have just liked that because it's Muppets. It's like this, this definitely holds up. It's on Disney Plus. Um, mm. If you have been thinking about uh, revisiting it from your childhood, um, but oh god, what a what a fantastic movie. It's so good. It's so good. And Michael Caine is so good. And I think. You, like you say, you can go into the dramatic further, but you can also go into the silliness further because, like, it shows how much of a professional Michael Caine is that he can look at these googly-eyed puppets and talk to them so matter-of-factly, you know? And it's so yeah. funny. It is, it's just funny because, like, if you take a step back, it looks so much more ridiculous than it is. And that's what, again, part of the magic of the Muppets is, is being like... Um, these you have you have bought in. You're the sucker audience member because yeah. this is a a googly eyed frog that you're crying about. You know, yeah. like you're the sucker. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's great. It's it's so good. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, because it is like it's a, it's a very good adaptation of a Christmas Carol as well. Like it shows something that a lot of um adaptations shy away from is showing just how sick um Tiny Tim is. Right. Whereas, like, you know, you're showing that Tiny Tim dies and that he's, like, very, very sick in the present day. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it's it's willing to... It doesn't have to shy away from that because, like, yeah, it's a little, like it's a googly-eyed frog. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, there's also... There's an interesting thing um, that happens a lot on this podcast where we'll be covering something and then there'll be, like, a new piece of information yes. comes out about um about it um and i mean like you know obviously we're covering like a christmas like thing there's obviously people talking about it but oh, everyone's um, something- talking about the muppets christmas carol at the moment lessons from the screenplay did his video which is like the third or fourth time lessons from the screenplay has done a video mm-hmm. on the franchise we're doing while we're doing it but this is the first time i feel like it's been a it's made sense the other times have just been plum coincidence yeah. that it's happened so there's a song in this um called when love yeah. is gone um which uh is in the ghost of christmas past he's been shown that um there's like a yeah so scrooge's former love um sings the song about how um his love of money has replaced his love of her um and jeffrey katzenberg famous fucking dipshit um <laughs> <laughs> uh there's jeffrey katzenberg who tried to remove part of your world from um uh from uh little mermaid and also founded uh quibi which has come and gone in a in a, in a quick bite itself Quibi went when it went away so f- came and went so fast i'm still not actually 100 percent sure of what it is no one fully explained yeah. it to me until the news was that it was gone <laughs> yeah it, it, it's insane there, there's the there's a super super interesting article about like how what a fucking stupid idea Quibi is, right. uh, which 
find for see if you can find it. Hey, and also actually, I'll bring this up. Um, I listen to a podcast regularly called Do Go On. Um, mm. And recently, they did an episode with uh, Zach from Auntie Donna, new Twitter follower of ours, uh, Auntie Donna, yeah. <laughs> um, who talked about Jeffrey Katzenberg, and he talked about all the fun, like the in- insanely genius decisions that Jeffrey Katzenberg is is known for. Um, and then mm. was like, and also he made Quibi, <laughs> and sort of <laughs> to use that as a metaphor because he was talking about um, Disney theme parks. And so yeah. well, he was talking specifically about the one that like that fucking ate shit in the early 2000s as well. Uh, and I think that I can't remember exactly, but that might've been a Katzenberg move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stories of, of, of Katzenberg. Um, Lord Farquaad from Shrek is based off Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> um, the, the, the not so subtly named Lord Farquaad. Mm. Um, but he's, uh, yeah. So, so Jeffrey Katzenberg took the song out of, the film um saying that it wouldn't appeal to young children and they put like um a pop cover of it you know like the, the disney movies they do like a, a mainstream singer will do a cover that's in the the end credit scene uh brian henson the director was very pissed off about it because the song at the end of the film called the love we found is like a response to that right. song it's it uses the same melody and um so it's um it ended up yeah, not being in the theatrical release it, it's like it was filmed as like a completed scene um and it's on the soundtrack it's it's on being on every edition of the soundtrack um and the laser disc um release of it had the only widescreen presentation of the song ever released um they wanted to put it back so like in the blu-ray and the dvd it would be in the extras it's on disney plus under extras um and four by three, but then they're like, so we, we probably can't ever in 2018, Jim Brian Henson said, uh, it's unlikely to appear ever again because Walt Disney company lost the actual video master and the negative. So we can't do like a 4k re-release or anything like that. However, just in the last two weeks, um, Henson, uh, confirmed that they've actually found the original film negative and can upscale it to 4k, um and it will be included in every future release mm. of the film like they're going to restore the film as the way it was meant to be seen um and he said might be too quick to get it on disney plus this year but 2021 the disney plus film should be the entire um film i i watched it last night on youtube is that not would that not have been the upscaled version uh probably not uh, i mean yeah i, I thought so, i but. thought it was um i can i understand katzenberg saying that it won't appeal to children because there's no muppets in it it's not a silly song mm. um but yeah. I, like the adult in me is like oh this is crucial um it is yeah. saved have you watched it yeah uh, yeah yeah Yeah. so it I is saved it, yeah. i think in terms of its muppet value by as the song or just as it ends it cuts to gonzo and rizzo watching it and rizzo's bawling his eyes out and i think that's yeah. that's a really smart comedic beat to put at the end there <laughs> um but yeah i mean the the christmas carol is one of those stories that it's like i've heard this and done so many seen it done so many times that it's hard for it to be effective now and yet this is i care about scrooge a character designed to be evil you know yeah. and, and it's it's so it's so um it's so effective with that 
Uh, but talking about songs, um, as we have been going, you know, doing this for every movie so far, except yeah. for The Great Muppet Caper, apparently. Um, this <laughs> is some of the best songs, and it? it starts with uh, what's the first song called? It's like Scrooge. It's just called Scrooge, um, which yeah. is the heck comes Mister Humbug, heck comes Mister Scrooge. If he gave a prize for being mean, the winner would be him. I'm screwing up the lyrics, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and that that is that was one of those things. You remember when we did the Santa Claus podcast? How I talked about how the line of dialogue "He is too Santa" was on like yeah. some trailer before Aladdin or something that I would have yeah, seen yeah, yeah. it a hundred times. The chorus of Scrooge, the song, must have also been on a trailer. It was. It was in the trailer. That especially specifically that line that you butchered. Yeah. Um. <laughs> was was on the trailer. I actually watched the trailer like an hour ago. Um. And so that that song is one of those nostalgic things for me, where it's like it's not a, it's not just that I'm listening to a song I've liked for a long time. It feels more like I'm listening to a song that's written in the DNA of me as a person, <laughs> of like my <laughs> the very concept of memory is based around yeah, yeah, yeah. this song, you know. Because <laughs> um, I didn't, I would have seen this as a young kid, but I didn't really rewatch it until I was an adult. Um, maybe. yeah i don't think i've rewatched it like in my adult life i've tried to hunt it down in previous christmases and not been able to like right. back when you know i would have to go to a video store and mm. it would be rented out um but yeah i don't think i've maybe might, might might even watched it in like yeah a good 10 years or so i still remembered it very very well but yeah 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 um statler and waldorf play um the shared role of Jacob Marley, the the ghost, yeah, Jacob that, and Robert Marley, yeah, the the ghost that warns Scrooge of the incoming spirits, yeah, who who was an old um colleague of, um, of him. And the, the the opening line of of the book is Marley was dead to begin with, yeah, um, which was the Marleys uh, were dead to begin with, and this and which Rizzo calls out as being like scary. Yeah, where did they get um Robert from as a second name? I don't know. It's just funny though, like the fact that because because they they do make a bit of a joke, they're like jacob and robert marley <laughs> like the fact that it's just like you well we did this just we just count this name but they have a song as well mm. where they go we're marley and marley yes. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> it's so good and it's and, and the, i feel like that's the best muppet casting in the whole thing oh uh, hell yeah kermit, yeah. kermit as, as bob crotch it seems like and it's Cratchit. it's crutch it's an obvious it, one but like it's obvious yeah like yeah um splitting that role into two yeah and making it statler waldorf is like a stroke of genius yeah 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 that's it cratchit is like of course and robert and jacob marley as statler waldorf is like oh of course <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i i love this movie man i love the one of the, my favorite line from it was um when i when i saw it as as a young younger kid was when he says to the ghost of christmas present um you're a little absent-minded spirit and he goes no i'm a large absent minded spirit i thought that was the funniest shit out man <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was younger. um so that's good i lo- i love that i love the, the all the songs in this are, are great the um i don't know any of the lyrics that's when you know it feels like christmas that one that one's great um yeah yeah everything about this is just what makes the muppets so special firing on all cylinders uh because another thing that we sort of talked about with um rainbow connection that makes the muppets so special is a is a deep sincerity to it that i've been thinking a lot over these this month as we've been watching muppet movies about like the big kind of mascot led um 
companies you know pop culture companies and mm-hmm. i feel like if you've got the it almost feels and i know the muppets is now owned by disney but i kind of wish it wasn't because you've got mickey mouse bugs bunny and kermit the frog right i feel like yeah. they all represent very different approaches to very similar styles of entertainment and i gotta say kermit has become easily my favorite of mm. those three because mickey mouse is um is the op is the other side of sincerity it's pandering you know mickey mouse is like <laughs> sugary sweet no one's this nice bugs bunny yeah. is a response to that bugs bunny is like your, your cool uncle as opposed yeah, to yeah he, he's he's like the bart simpson <laughs> yeah exactly whereas kermit um and the muppets as a in general like behind him is is sincere because it, it allows for looney tunes-esque comedy um but then it'll also be like hey, but um, you're loved, you know? You're so mm. special, little kid watching this. Like, Jim Henson, by all accounts, was, like, a wonderful person, you know, like yeah. a, a Bob Ross type. Um, and yeah. so it's... it's I've, I've grown so fond of Kermit and, and watching these movies specifically because I find him so complex compared to Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse because mm. he's shy and polite but then he also like wants to be an actor and wants to be a performer and it it Mm. adds a layer to his character where it's like this is someone who gets nervous all the time but he has dreams of performing and like that's Mm. it it almost it almost feels like they're at odds with each other because they want the characterization but they also want obviously it's the muppet show and it's all based in vaudeville and stuff um but it kind of clashes in a way that works and that it feels like an authentic person. And it is so hard to not think Kermit is a real person, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I genuinely would love to meet Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like it's, it's so cool. He, Kermit is such a cool character and that's why he's so good as Bob Cratchit because this is, he's the character who's like um, a toast to the founder of the feast scrooge um against miss piggy who's playing his wife who miss piggy is designed like and maybe one of the most extreme foils to a character ever written as <laughs> miss piggy and kermit right because miss piggy is is boisterous and loud and rude and angry and obnoxious and um mm. it allows for really tangible learning moments because you've got mm. the two approaches to things and maybe that's why secretly their relationship works is that you've got the sensitivity with the um the bravery and the 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 strength combined together i guess mm. um and what do you think it has a rot uh that uh muppet christmas carol has on rod tomatoes would this be the 95 percent one uh do you want to guess if it is or not it is it's not it has 76 what that's the lowest yeah, one so far same as the great muppet caper what how is this the lowest one yeah, it's insane, that, eh? that is crazy. That is wrong. That is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, we had Muppet Treasure Island, which feels very much like a spiritual sequel to, like oh. they were like, this is what the Muppets should do now. And they should have. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is yeah a retelling of the story of Treasure Island. Um, and this stars Tim Curry as the kind of, he's not the sole uh live action person but he's the, essentially the michael kane of the film yeah exactly um, that's like you're again, getting a, na- a big name actor to they i to wish you. they'd kept doing that i wish they kept yeah. doing that instead we got ashanti in the wizard of oz <laughs> yeah um so like michael kane considers 
uh the muppet movie like one of if not the best movies ever done he says it's this most memorable role tim curry says that this is like his favorite of or at least one of his favorites of of his films um and yeah so what's the kind of story of treasure island uh it's a story i knew a lot less than the story of a christmas carol um but essentially it's a it's a pirate story and there's buried treasure on an island and um the main character who's a young young boy named jim jim uh, hawkins jim hawkins essentially uh inherits this map from billy Connolly's billy bones um Mm. and he he gets a expedition funded to sail to this island and on this ship um he meets long john silver who is the ship's cook who quickly uh both bonds with jim but then also um constructs a mutiny upon um the for the captain who's played by kermit the frog and they all kind of end up on the island together trying to get the treasure um and you know it's excellently written morally gray characters long john Mm -hmm. silver might be one of the most complex characters in a muppet movie (laughs) i mean that's yeah i mean like he's a famously like they they actually can the the treasure island character is famously very complex and and, yeah um, and um has also having a pig leg or missing a leg and um and having a parrot is kind of like where those things came from right interesting okay um so uh how it ends um the good guys win the bad guys get stranded on on a different island and yeah um things like that um and it's so so jim hawkins is played by some kid who never did anything else kevin bishop is his name yeah um but gonzo and rizzo sort of play they the role of jim hawkins is shared by three characters essentially and it's mm that the real life person and then gonzo and rizzo on either side of him um yeah. the captain of the ship is kermit the financier is fozzy um miss piggy plays the captain's long lost girlfriend who ends up living on the island with a bunch of like barbarian pigs in a scene where i was like is this in the book <laughs> is, this from, <laughs> is this from the book this feels very based in it feels essential that she's a pig in this scene, so yeah. I don't know if this if this works. Is there any other major Muppet um, players? Jennifer Saunders is in um, is plays Mrs. Blueveridge. Right, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, Billy Connolly uh, at the start of the film. This because I remember I remember seeing this in the cinema when I was three years old. Wow. I mean, the fact that I remember this must mean it's like one of my earliest memories, probably. Um, but I remember yeah going to see it with with my sister and, and mum. And my parents are huge Billy Connolly fans. And I remember mum finding it so funny, the line when, because Billy Connolly gets the black spot and dies. And Rizzo says, he can't die. This is supposed to be a kid's movie. And my mum thought it was so funny. It is funny. Um, (laughs) It is funny. She's probably listening to this. Hi, mum. And um, yeah, and so Billy Connolly like wears that as as quite a badge of pride that he's, he's the only person to ever die in a Muppet movie. It's great. And he fucking rocks it as well. He's great. Again, it's probably the best acting I've seen from Billy Connolly in this film. Yeah, very not from the X-Files film. movie where his eyes bleed. No, he's not that good in the X-Files movie. Um, but yeah, Tim Curry is great in it. I think mm. the scene that really got me, and this is sort of the equivalent of Scrooge uh, begging for his life in, for, to the, the ghost of Christmas still to come, 
um, mm. is at the end when they capture Long John Silver and he's yeah. on the boat and he works out he can escape and he gets into the lifeboat with all the treasure and he's, he's he starts to row away when Jim pops up and they sort of have a face off with their pointing guns no jim's gonna whistle and alert everyone and long mm. john's gonna shoot him to stop him um and again it's muppetless and it's like thank god yeah. this is muppetless right <laughs> because it's a fucking beautiful scene where you're playing with mm. um more complex emotions than you'd see in movies for adults right because you've yeah. got this this genuine bond created between enemies essentially mm. um yeah, well, well, that's the thing. It's it's one of those like um, it's 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 like that we're not so different, you and yeah, I, kind yeah. of thing. Where um, I think like Long John Silver, right, really does see himself in Jim Hawkins, and he and he is genuinely like actually cares about him. But you know, they're, mm. they're acting against each other's interests. Yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> I mean, it's probably it more to to the credit of who is it? Dumas who wrote? Is it Dumas? Uh, no. Um, Robert Louis Stevenson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, who's Dumas? What did Dumas do? Uh, uh Count of Monte Cristo. Ah, uh, well, there's a Muppet movie waiting to happen, isn't it? Yeah. Um, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, but yeah, it's 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 all it's all thanks the Count to him, of I think, Muppet but, Cristo. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, they they really sell it, and I think that's what the the double bill of uh, Christmas Carol and Treasure Island do so well is sell the drama impeccably. Yeah um i yeah, thought- i think i think uh, tim tim curry and I, th- I think it's probably just it's partly tim curry as an actor is like is having a bit more fun with it and it's always like it's getting to play a pirate mm. um than michael Ka- like michael kane is like yeah like you said it's this is the royal shakespeare company mm. whereas tim curry is a bit like chewing the scenery a bit more kind of thing but they also that's i think a bit tim curry as an actor and a bit the fact that you're playing a pirate and you can kind of ham it up like that yeah i'd argue that's the difference between ebenezer scrooge and long john silver as characters yeah yeah true um the the music in this film after watching it i was like this is the best songs and now i can't remember any of them so maybe when you're a professional pirate that's good that's a great song um or at least i remember thinking it was a great song yeah that's like his kind of um him selling to long john silver selling to jim hawkins the life of a pirate yeah um and because i feel like a lot of muppet movies have good songs but they don't have amazing soundtracks does that make sense like the yeah I, I always like one or two but in comparison to like something like the lion king where it's like oh these are all great songs like yeah i would say that's somewhat remedied in the last two films we'll talk about absolutely um, for good reason and a completely sideswiped in the next film we'll talk about which has no songs in it for yeah. some reason um so uh there's a really funny there's a there was a lawsuit involved um in this mm. film so there's a character um named spam you know obviously named after spam um he's one of the um the the tribal pig characters um and hormel food corporation the creators of spam uh sued jim henson productions for using the name um so the judge dismissed the suit um because they couldn't prove damages with the judge uh noting on the um dismissal one might think that hormel would welcome the association with a genuine source of pork <laughs> such a fucking sick burn wow that that's like that's like the spam people then going back and being like fuck we shouldn't have done this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh defeated by the muppets yeah I, I interesting like so uh you know rolf the dog 
yes, a Muppet we haven't talked about at all. <laughs> yeah, who's but great, yes. but he's um. So he wasn't in Muppet Christmas Carol. He appears non-speaking in this um, one, and that was because um. So he was originally played by Jim Henson, and he was the last one to be recast after Jim Henson died. Right. Apparently, because he was actually considered most similar to Jim Henson's um actual personality, and so um yeah they were kind of like oh, i don't know if anyone else can do that role so he's in here non-speaking but then he is he is later recast interesting but yeah that's interesting such a sordid history of muppets man like the yeah. the and and i was thinking about this the other day between productions what do all the muppet people do because they've gone years without producing anything it seems did they just pull back the old gang together again? To, um, and I'm not talking about the Muppets. I'm talking about the people behind the Muppets, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, know, I, th- I think there's a lot of, like, appearances as well that, like, we don't see necessarily. Mm. Um, like, they go on talk shows and, and shit like that as well. Frank Oz will be all over Sesame Street as well, surely. Uh, well, well, Frank Oz has retired from Muppet performing. Um, ah. uh, Muppets from Space, which we'll talk about in a moment, was the last... Um, frank oz film and i think in muppet treasure island um as well as muppets from space he actually wasn't a puppeteer um because he was he had other um things so he just uh kevin clash who plays elmo mm. did most of his characters and so is kevin clash still employed by the new henson company <laughs> is that the worst actor to be outed as being a sexual deviant was the voice of Elmo? I always felt yeah. like that was devastating. <laughs> but also, let me let me just double check. But I think weren't the the claims found to be like unsubstantiated? Perhaps I don't know. That's a good point. I shouldn't. I shouldn't take the drama for the the dramatic value that it is without doing my my research. Oh, no, th- they were dismissed because they um the allegations um exceeded the statute of limitations in Pennsylvania. Ah. So he could still be a dirtbag. Yeah. Um, this isn't about Kevin Clash. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so he, he played them. And Frank Oz gave him kind of notes. He said that um, uh, Miss Piggy is a truck driver wanting to be a woman. Um, and that Fozzie is like Jerry Lewis. And so he gave him kind of all these notes. And so he performed them on set. They recorded the table read. And he kind of went off there. And then later on, Frank Oz overdubbed um the roles ah okay so So, um so for onset he was doing the performance um and you know having to like speak along with it but then it's actually frank oz's voice in the film right okay that's what i was going to ask because i didn't know frank like frank oz was in knives out so i didn't didn't know that he frank oz was in knives out that was the first time i saw frank oz and i i cannot picture that man with that voice playing those characters it's it's actually yeah it's actually insane to me that he can do that voice but then i think Mm. that but then i also think like i can do miss piggy and i don't sound like (laughs) miss piggy Mm. you know so maybe it's the same thing (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah, he he. So he's not in the in Muppets twenty eleven or in Muppets Most Wanted. He's not involved at all. Oh, so he doesn't play them in those. No, movies. no. Muppet, after in two thousand, he retired from puppetry. But and, voice and, voice and, acting. And, uh, no, yeah, he retired fully from the Muppets. So who plays the, his characters in the later movies? Um, uh, they, they they like replaced him with someone. Um, let's have a look. Oh wow. Um, uh, what's his name? Eric Jacobson. So from 2002, he took over like all of Frank Oz's characters. These legacy voice actor roles, like you know Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and and the Muppets, like they they do always do such a great job of replacing 
the voice actors mm. to the point where it's like i can kind of tell the difference between mel blank's bugs bunny and billy west's bugs bunny but not yeah. really i can definitely tell the, the difference between what i like the the three kermit the frogs we've had jim henson steve whitmire and matt vogel i can tell the difference between them i think like i grew up with um steve whitmire so he's kind of like yeah. and so jim henson sounds slightly different but i add like you know they actually um play them next to each other in muppets most wanted as well and i could kind of tell the yeah. difference there um but matt vogel to me sounds so different um but i also like i've only seen he, he hasn't done as much mm. um uh anyway um so that is muppet treasure island and um also fun fact so you mentioned we mentioned the the, the count of muppet cristo um but apparently muppet treasure island it was either going to be treasure island or a king arthur story exactly um, and they decided to go with um muppet treasure island and also jim hawkins was originally going to be rizzo and gonzo playing characters named jim and hawkins but then they're like now let's put a human in and you do need give it a bit more dramatic yeah. weight. um what does this have on Rotten Tomatoes? What do you think? 70. 73. Interesting. So this is the lowest one yet. Who are these fucking haters hating on the mm. Muppet movies, you know? Yeah. Who are these soulless cretins thinking that the two, probably my personal favorite Muppet movies, I think, would be Christmas Carol and Treasure Island. Who are these people thinking they're bad? <laughs> uh, so next up in 1999, we had Muppets from Space, directed by Tim Hill, who directed... Um, spongebob movie sponge on the run oh wow uh, which we spoke about in a patreon episode recently and max keeble's big move what's this one about so gonzo is feeling out of place he doesn't know what he is he's been referred to for the last 50 or so years as a whatever when asked you know kermit the frog and gonzo mm. the whatever um and so he's he's having an identity crisis when he is communicated with by aliens and told he's an alien um and so he sets out on sort of like a a journey through it's not re it takes place over like one day so it's not as cross-country as i remembered it being <laughs> he ends up in like um like an area 51 type place being experimented yeah. on all the other muppets are trying to save him uh before they all go to the beach um and everyone's there and they're all partying because they're going to meet aliens and the aliens come down and they all look like gonzo and they offer him a, sp a place on their ship to go up and and live with them but he decides to stay with the muppets because he's found his family um and jeffrey tambor is the villain and he goes with the the gonzo yeah. aliens instead in the end and um, this is the one i had i'd seen this most recently out of all no this i remember i guess i just remember this one better it felt more ingrained in me because i'd seen it as a kid more than the two yeah. before it so right. like even though i do consider the, these the, these past three kind of like the second trilogy um i saw muppets from space and it felt like a new movie whereas treasure island and um christmas carol felt like 30 year old movies to me you know right, even yeah, though yeah. they're only a few years apart yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, because because Muppets from Space feels very much like a two thousand movie, nineteen ninety nine, but it feels like that era. Whereas, like, yeah, I, I, I like, and I guess it's just like we kind of yeah grew up a bit, and then yeah, like mm. they 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 feel like different eras. But yeah, this is another one I remember seeing the trailer for a lot, and mm -hmm. I remember the, the joke at the end of the trailer was um, Jeffrey Tambor like pulling up um, Gonzo's nut hook nose and um, saying no nostrils how do you smell and Rizzo goes terrible trust me i'm his roommate <laughs> it's so muppetsian 
Yeah, so and that was another joke that I remember my mum like passing herself at. <laughs> um, that's so funny. That's such a mum joke. Like mums in general, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, this, Richard, this is somewhat milestone in um, our podcast because since podcast one, we've been, or maybe podcast two. It was podcast two. We've been joking about the idea of an in-space sequel. Um, you know, the character in space as a sequel title yeah and i think this is the first time we've had sequels that have been in space sequels but this is the first time where it's actually been like the title is pretty close to in space it's muppets from space Mm. but i think in space is originally derived from a sketch on the muppet show called pigs in space Um, yeah yeah so there is still i remember there's um (laughs) <laughs> a joke in that so it's like a, it's a star wars parody and um there's they've got their dark their darth vader parody which is gonzo and so it's like the black vinyl helmet um but like with a big hook nose and it's like who is the mysterious whatever it was called <laughs> and then he's like the world will never know and it like turns to his side and you see like the very distinctive nose that's great um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of fun uh this movie in general i think is pretty clearly the weakest of the theatrical releases yeah this this is kind of the one that that like killed the muppets mm. this was right re- needed to be rebooted 12 years later um uh while promoting the muppets 2011 um kermit in, an, in a radio interview said um with all due respect to the Mupp- two muppets from space uh you don't want that to be the last movie you ever do you want to do a better one interesting i think i think like like, like this is this is this has the reputation of being like the bad one yeah it's desperate for a original soundtrack as well there are moments in the movie where it feels like we should be breaking into song and we don't um yeah there's um they do um uh the, the, the the whole kind of plot is based on gonzo's song i'm going to go back there someday from the original oh, muppet movie that's so dumb this is such a dumb interpretation of that song <laughs> um uh, do you want to explain what you mean well because he, he he sings a song in the muppet movie when they're like stranded in the desert and it's essentially gonzo's rainbow connection um mm. but not as good and not as memorable and it sort of alludes that he's an alien but I read a thing about this. Actually, I was reading up about Rainbow Connection, and apparently they're trying to say he was a bird, but they didn't want to say he was a bird. Mm. So it's like he's talking about going back to the skies, being part of yeah. something again, um, which is sort of what the plot of this. I love the start of this movie. The start of this movie is a dream sequence where Gonzo's trying to get on Noah's Ark, and it looks fucking cinematic. That opening shot, yeah, yeah. and it's like the storm, and you see Noah's Ark, and then Gonzo pops into frame wearing like the traditional garb i was like this this looks great um yeah but yeah the the most interesting thing about this movie for me is that it starts with all the muppets living in a big house together which i thought was really fascinating and uh, you know <laughs> as, as someone who's lived in in a flat for the better half of a decade i was like what would a flat with all the muppets <laughs> be like if everyone's like yeah. lining up for the bathroom and and that sort of thing um and so i found uh, like is there anywhere else that says the muppets live in a big house together uh i don't know I don't, yeah yeah it felt it felt like a significant thing uh, i mean obviously there's like extended canon hmm. but um 
yeah there, there was originally more music oh, the band ween wrote a song for it and then um uh, which was i think a riff on i'm going to back, go back there someday or it might have even been another arrangement of it and then they decided oh no we want the whole soundtrack to be like funk and soul music mm. um like you know and licensed music and they said oh you can cover brick house <laughs> and then we were just like nah <laughs> so they just used brick house um yeah. Pepe the King Prawn has a is this is the only movie that he has a major role in. Um and mm. I thought he was hilarious. There's the, <laughs> the best joke in it is when they uh Pepe and Rizzo prank Gonzo, who thinks he's hearing from aliens, um, by telling him that by like whispering to him that he needs to make them a jacuzzi and um <laughs> and he and then gonzo they decide they need to tell him the truth and they're like all right you got to tell him he's like no you're going to tell him he's, and rizzo is like you got to tell him and then gonzo runs past the scene exclaiming how he's going he's heard from the aliens and he's going to run out and meet them and he runs straight past them and just before the scene cuts pepe turns to to rizzo and goes you should have told him. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I really enjoyed that. I thought the the plot of Miss Piggy, I thought, was it's probably the best Miss Piggy plot we've seen. Oh, yeah, she's like a, a wannabe journalist. Yeah, and it's sort of, there's a little bit of her proving herself in there. Um, Ray Liotta is in this. Mm. It's, that was a fun guest star. Andy McDowell. Yep. Um, Rob Schneider. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is the weakest one and I think it needed music. Um, and mm. it's what, like, it, it feels like an attempt to start something new that didn't work. Mm. And so they're like, well, let's just never do the Muppets again. Cause, and this is set in the real world as well. So mm. the other, the two Brian Henson ones are like, you, I guess you can, you can surmise they are movies put on by the Muppets. They don't mm. ever really say that technically, but yeah. you could probably get you could probably figure that out by the context of them being yeah. um, public domain stories. So this is the second movie since Take Manhattan, I think, that never says it's a movie within a movie, which yeah. all the other ones do. Or implicitly do. Yeah. So actually um talking about the in space thing as well, sorry to go back to that. But um this was actually originally called Muppets in Space. And yeah. the original screenplay had um Aliens abducting Kermit um, because hey they believed him to be their leader leading the other, other mups to save him um and then uh there's a few changes um the the co-writer left the project before shooting because his draft was filled with like parodies of men in black contact and alien um and then they fired the original director and then um they thought he wasn't bringing enough vision and then took out all the parodies um and so he was like well i yeah i'm I'm leaving the project then too um he just liked the revised ending of the film where it's like yep gonzo there's a whole race of aliens that are gonzo and yeah and like it, it does feel like one of those things that's like ah oh, we should have never known what gonzo is and he should just yeah. be a whatever no it's it's the same as doing that community episode with a dean admits he's gay which I, I actually quite like that episode but like well he doesn't admit he's gay that's true <laughs> that's true but uh, the, 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 the whole the, point of the episode is that yeah. the show the show takes it from something in the background into something in the foreground yeah. which is like a classic um mark of of a joke that's existed in something for too long right mm. when they have to start making stories around i mean the simpsons is full of it right yeah, like yeah, doing yeah. doing things that they have to well i mean it's like it's like the classic that like star wars has been doing of like explaining shit that didn't need explaining but the original ending of the film would be that um aliens would come down and 
um, they would similar to how it happens in the movie. They would all look like Gonzo, but then it would be revealed that they were getting broadcasts of the Muppet Show and believed Gonzo to be the ultimate being, and so like shape shifted to look like Gonzo. Um, and then in the cool. end, they would reveal their true forms, and Gonzo would remain a whatever. So what? Um, what public domain space adventure should this have been? If they go, we're doing a space one. Are there any classic public domain space stories? Um, it's got to be like a Jules Verne. It's probably not. Public yeah, domain. that's that's what I was thinking. Jules Verne sci-fi books. It'd be like Mission to the Moon, the the Lumiere. Journey to the center of the Earth. Yeah, well, that's from the Earth to the Moon. Is that the Lumiere one? Uh no, that's this Jules Verne. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's what it should have been, right? I don't know if mm. Jules Verne is from the domain. Earth to the Muppet. <laughs> um but yeah i don't know i think yeah i don't have too much else to say about about this movie bobo the bear is in it i like him yeah and well there's another film with bobo the bear in it uh although oh, you, what, do you, what do you think this has on Rotten tomatoes actually 65 very 63 you're doing very well Thank um you. oh this film also was the first appearance of scooter in eight years <laughs> wow holy shit yeah. what happened to scooter well it just it just wasn't around but all right let's uh now we're now up to 2011 where mm-hmm. we got a film just simply titled The Muppets. It was directed by James Bobin and uh, written by Jason Segel and Nicholas Stoller. Um, this was the second film they wrote together, the first being Forgetting Sarah Marshall, <laughs> uh, which is such a funny, like, um, yeah, th- in, in 2008, they they went to Disney and said, we want to do a Muppet movie. And they were like, oh, you did just get your dick out um, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I don't know if this is the best image, but then, you know, they, they could see, like, shit this this guy's the real deal in terms of being a fan of the muppets um between these two films the, the muppets and the muppets and muppets from space um disney bought the muppets in 2004 yeah and um I, we'll talk about it a bit more but they seemingly just have no idea what to do with the muppets which is sad and is um apparently bob Iger is just like didn't really grow up with the muppets and he's kind of like not a big fan the guy who was supposed to be taking over as ceo i don't know what's happening now but he's like a more of a lifelong fan so if that takeover ends up happening because they they reversed it right um, but i think it might have been a temporary reversal where bob i said oh and i'll stay on for a bit more um he's apparently a bigger fan of the muppets so it'd be cool to see if something goes there interesting so what is the muppets 2011 about so this is set in the real world, and it is about a pair of brothers. One is played by Jason Siegel, and one is played by a Muppet. Um, and they're called Gary and Walter. And uh, Gary, who's the human version, <laughs> has a girlfriend named Mary, who's played by Amy Adams. And they are going to celebrate their 10-year wedding anniversary by going to L.A., and they invite Walter along to go to LA with them so that they can go on the Muppet Studio tour because they were both massive fans of the Muppets growing up. And we talked last week about, like, is there a difference between a Muppet frog and a regular frog? And this film seems to really... Uh, it never outright says it, but to me it heavily implies that, like, Muppet is, like, a genetic condition. <laughs> if you could have a brother who's a Muppet and it's, like... One in 500 million people are born as, or creatures are born as Muppets, right? And it's like, mm. you're made but it's of also, it's, it's never addressed the fact that he's a different creature to No, I know, but, but that's Siegel. what I'm saying is that they watch the Muppet show growing up and they're, again, they don't outright say it, but it feels like Walter sees this as representation 
almost. Yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. he wants to be a part of it. Um, so they go to the Muppet tour and it's really lame. And then um, Walter sneaks into um, an, a, one of the buildings where he finds Kermit's out. Kermit's old office. Yeah, yeah, where he finds out that Tex Richmond, um, who's an evil oil baron <laughs> played by... Um, <laughs> Uh, what's his name? Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper. Um, in the silliest fucking role he's ever done. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, they, he finds out that he's planning to bulldoze over the Muppet Studios to dig for oil. Um, so they go to warn Kermit. They they need $10 million to, to buy the, the theater back. And Kermit says the only way they're going to be able to do that is to get the gang back together because the Muppets have dissipated and are no longer together. So... There's sort of a the middle act of the film is them getting all the Muppets back together and then putting on a show, which is a telethon full of celebrities to raise enough money to buy back the show, and that's about it, right? That's that's the main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the kind of thing. And there's like a relationship drama between Jason Segel and Amy Adams. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what do you think of this film? I think this is a very flawed film. I do. I think that when I remember when I first saw it thinking this isn't very good um, and then watching <laughs> it at the back end of all the Muppets, I'm like, okay, the, the very, um, the, st- the type of stuff that Star Wars keeps trying to get away with, but everyone complains about of like nostalgic yeah. reunions works really well with the Muppets because it's, yeah. it's more metatextual, I guess. So I really yeah. enjoyed the references to the first Muppet movie and I really enjoyed seeing um, Kermit, uh, and get get the gang back together. I thought that was very fun. Mm. Um, the music is great, and it. it's probably the best the music the Muppets collectively has ever been. Yeah. So the music uh, was done by Brett McKenzie. I remember seeing interviews with Jason Segel at the time, where he talked about how he's like, I can write songs, I can write good songs, or I can write funny songs, but I can't do both at the same time. Uh, whereas, and so that's why he got Brett McKenzie from Fly the Concords and from New Zealand, um, and Repres- to, to do that. Rip New Zealand represent. <laughs> um, and so he, um, yeah, got him in uh, to do that, and then ended up winning uh, an Oscar for best original song for "Man or Muppet," uh, which beat "Real and Rio" from Rio um, to win best original song. And I'm not just saying like, "Wow," like a p- cherry picking one other nominee to be like, "Wow, can you believe it beat this?" There was only two nominees that year. Crazy! Um, you could nominate yeah. more songs from the Muppets. <laughs> yeah exactly um but so the, the the way it works um is essentially um between 1946 and 2011 um that you vote using like a point system you score them and then how many songs above got above 8.25 were eligible for nomination and if no song qualified there'd be no nominees and then if only one song achieved that score the next um the like the next highest one would just be a second nominee kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it usually resulted in five nominations, except for uh, 2010 when there was four, uh, 88, 2005, 2008 when there were three, and 2011 when there were only two. It was the only time that happened. And then they changed it, and now it's contingent on the number of submissions. Right. Um, so there, there's, either has to be three, uh, five, three, or none. And since then, there's always been five, except one was disqualified in 2013. Right. Um, I, I, my favorite song in the Muppet movie is the first one, which is what's life's a happy song. Life's a happy song. When the Simon by your side to sing along. And I like, I do like the other songs in this movie. Um, but it's what, it's that thing where like, you know how Americans find the New Zealand accent really funny. We talked about yeah. this with Julian Dennison, right? 
I have a little bit of that in this where like I can so hear the flight of the Concords DNA and um, things like man or Muppet is such a flight of the Concord song to me that yeah, like, well, that, cause, cause you said to me earlier in the week that a borderline doesn't work if not sung by Brett McKenzie. Yeah. I think I stand by that. I think some of it, I think the movie benefits from flight of the Concord still having like not reached. I feel like flight of the Concords are like, still kind of B tier famous as opposed to A tier famous right. maybe. And so you can hear these songs and you go, it's a funny song, but things like um, man or Muppet, or there's the song that Chris Cooper sings, which you brought mm. up where at one point, what's the line he sings? Um, he, he's like, I'm Tex Richmond, Mr. Texas T people call me rich. Cause I got my money, which is how can anyone but Brett McKenzie sing that line? Yeah. You know, that's like, it, it sounds like, it line. sounds like Brett has been overdubbed for that one word. Like, yeah, yeah. Money. Um, and man or Muppet, the lyrics are like, am I a man or am I a Muppet? Well, if I am a man, then I'm a very manly Muppet. And it's like, the, I don't know. It's very, it's, it's the type of stuff that the flight of the Concords guys enjoy playing with in terms of the wordplay. And yeah, I, I feel that a lot more in the second film in, really? in Muppets Most Wanted, which he also did the the music for, uh, which we'll talk about when we get to that. But um, I, I I feel the opposite. Yeah, like like Man on Muppet, I don't I don't I don't necessarily hear the Brett influence in that. Right. Um, the the um, let's talk about me. I think it's called the the uh, the Tex Richmond one is like is just hundred percent Brett, and, and apparently Brett was like on set coaching him how to rap <laughs> and how like you know like kind of rap movements that people do. I mean, because he's credited as like the songwriter and the music supervisor, so I guess Brett, his role is to teach Chris Cooper how to rap. Brett should have maybe played Tex Richmond, right? Well, do you know actually that the role was written for Alan Rickman. Wow. Oh my Imagine god. That. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um that is that kind of Michael Caine prestige that would have really worked yeah. in a Muppet movie. And um, this is this is playing that being said, this is playing a completely different game to Yeah, that's that, that's the thing. That, 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 um yeah, Jason Siegel, Amy Adams are playing like a very heightened reality. Um mm. and it's kind of like they're existing in a world where everyone everyone's really bright eyed and they and it's like um it's it's somewhat brechtian um and and the kind of like they're just saying how they're feeling and and they're showing it really with their emotions and i think it's it's not like one way is right and the other one's wrong i think that there's i think this movie works i i I love this movie i I like and it holds a very special place in my heart um i remember when it came out because it was one of those films that came out a lot later in new zealand than it did in the rest of the world and i went like me Tyler, who listens to the podcast, Ben, who listens to the podcast, um, all went to the movies at like, it was like 10 a.m. on on a Thursday. I think it must have been during school holidays or something like that. Um, and went to go see this movie. Well, you were um, out of like school. The very, the very the first screening available. Huh? I was going to say you were out of school by the time this. Um... Uh, I was studying at, oh, in a, sorry, at a course right. that had um, that had school. Um, mm. at like terms yeah. um but yeah so i like got it went to went to the very first screening of it and we got there and it didn't have like the muppets wasn't on the marquee they didn't have posters up or anything like that we're like oh my god like what if we got the day wrong and i remember tyler saying and i still think about this all the time um <laughs> that he was like oh you know richard you got up and you and you came with the frog pajamas you slid down the banister and, and we're like oh mom i'm gonna go see the muppets today and then 
And I remember, because this was, I think, the first time. It's like the start of a Muppet movie. (laughs) Yeah. I had like these two friends from separate worlds who were meeting for the first time. And I remember Tyler saying, where's the Muppets, Ben? Ben? Where's the Muppets? And and I and I was just like just seeing two friends like engage in a joke together. I was like, you know, <laughs> that's very sweet. Um, and I was also I always I think about that all the time. Just like, where's the Muppets? Mm. <laughs> yeah. But then of course when they actually like the cinema actually opened up and and we were able to get in. And I think we were. Um, it was a very empty cinema, but I do remember because the 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 end of the the film when you actually like see the show there's a big like whole cast performance of rainbow connection and this woman stood up and clapped along with it and made her kids stand up um and like danced with them to rainbow oh connection that was very weird that is inappropriate for the movie theater um in comparison to the muppet movie which i mentioned at the start of this podcast i felt didn't strive for attempting any kind of meaningful story arc this is kind of the opposite where um the story arcs are very messy the Chekhov's guns are very very poorly handled i think the um this is all saying like why i think it's a it's a messy movie because it starts out and it's a movie about two brothers and one of them's a Muppet who looks up to the Muppets. And it's like, okay, cool. These are my main characters. By the halfway mark, it's about Kermit. Like, it's all about Kermit. Mm. And it has no idea. And it, it maybe knows what to do with Walter, but Jason Segal and um and Amy Adams like have nothing to do for so much of this movie. And I feel like mm. it doesn't balance these things very well at all. Um, which, again in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter because of how much fun it is. Um, and I mm. still think this is a great movie. Of course I do. Like, yeah. how could you not? And what do you think it has of Rotten Tomatoes? This will be the 95% one. It is 95%. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd attribute that more to when things are rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Things that- yeah, it, it, yeah, it's obviously like a lot more kind of... Um, yeah, it, it's just such a good movie as well it's it's, it's very like it's it's hard to dislike because of its sense of humor its self-awareness and the fact that it is bringing these beloved characters who have Mm. been gone for so long back into the into the limelight um and i mean that because because that is how the film ends as well is that they don't manage to save the theater um but then they're kind of yeah that they 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 leave the theater and everyone loves the muppets again it's kind of it's the it's the thing about you managed to go the distance that even though you didn't actually win yeah yeah exactly um cool it's got bobo the bear in it who's the (laughs) partner of tex richmond along with Mm. uncle deadly a character i looked up to see what he is and it doesn't tell you uh he was originally the um he is the phantom of the muppet theater yes yes. Um, he was introduced as um but he hadn't appeared in anything in over 20 years you can tell because he (laughs) comes out of nowhere um And it's one of those things where the Muppet seems to be also very consistent with who is a Muppet as in who is part of the troupe and who mm. is, um, cause I've only ever seen Bobo the bear in these evil sidekick roles. Mm. Um, whereas Muppets most wanted breaks that I think with Sam, the Eagle, um, which we could talk about if you want to move on to Muppets most wanted. Uh, I do not. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a few more things I want to say about this film. Um, there was originally Elmo, had a cameo when they're looking for a famous guest star and the joke was going to be that the lawyers wouldn't allow Elmo to appear in the Muppet telethon um but the lawyers didn't allow that scene to happen in the Muppets 
<laughs> oh, well. Uh, so Courtney Love, you know Courtney Love, <laughs> um, Kurt Cobain's yeah, widow. Yeah, <laughs> um, Kurt Cobain's widow um, gave an interview in which she accused the Muppets of raping Kurt Cobain's legacy um, by covering "Smells Like Teen Spirit" with a barbershop quartet, um, and the filmmakers never received her permission. Although uh, Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl, the remaining members of Nirvana, um, Dave Grohl, who has a cameo in the Muppets, uh, both thought it was hilarious and loved the rendition, um, but would not comment on what courtney love said or you um, just know dave grohl fucking hates courtney love you oh, know yeah, those two fuck fucking yeah. hate each other right eh? <laughs> yeah i think she's i think she has publicly stated that she fucking hates dave grohl um but D- dave grohl has such a funny cameo on this there's there we see the um Dude, D- dave the- grohl's cameos are the best in the business whenever whenever <laughs> dave grohl cameos in something it's so great because the reaction every time is that Dave Grohl, <laughs> like yeah. and it's this, these thankless cameos where he's playing, like, like in um, a, Tenacious D, Pick y- of Destiny, yeah, exactly, like very silly kind of like, <laughs> yeah, because because yeah, so there's there's um we see uh, Fozzy when we catch up Fozzy, he, he's uh, at a working at a hotel and casino in Reno, um as as the leader of the Muppets mm. who are like the evil Muppets and the drummer for them is Dave Grohl as Animal um, <laughs> so they're all like evil versions of Muppets but then the, and Dave Grohl is just playing Animal um, and he doesn't have any lines and you the camera barely focuses on him you see there's like a shot of the, like all the Muppets the Muppets laughing together and Dave Grohl's just standing over them being like ha, 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 yeah. yeah man is that Dave Grohl um, and also I love that scene as well where um uh they're performing a version of Rainbow Connection, which is yes. about it's like why are there such great deals on our hotel rooms? It's so great. And it's just it's such a perfect like bastardization of that. Um, uh, a couple more just like fun little uh, behind the scenes things, and then we can then we can move on. But um, there was uh, supposed to be a joke in it where um Kermit would say to the telethon audience, "Oh, this went so well. We're going to bring back the Muppet Show this fall on ABC." And Disney apparently wrote like uh, their notes in the script. It just said, "Nice try." <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, this is a really, um, uh, a, a really bizarre. Like, I can't believe that this is was thought of. Is that um, in an early draft of it, Tex Richmond? Uh, was going to reveal to have been Kermit the Frog in a human suit, having made up Texas plans with the intent of getting the Muppets back together. The idea was dropped after it was thought that the children would be confused seeing Kermit lie, and Steve Whitmire even swore to have his name omitted from the credits if they if it made it into the final film. Hell yeah, man! Because that's that's completely antithetical to Kermit as a character. Yeah. That's such a betrayal. Yeah. yeah. And um and Frank Oz, you know, now having retired from Muppet performing, um, dis- disapproved of the script, um, and thought it was disrespectful to the characters. But then after seeing the film, he modified his statement, saying, "I thought the film was really sweet and fun, a little too safe, a little retro. I prefer more cutting edge in the Muppets. But the main thing is everybody got back to appreciating the Muppets. It brought back people to the Muppets. Um, although they never really left. It's always been kind of a subculture. It's always been there in our popular culture a little bit. So I'm happy that people are happy. He's um, right. He's right." absolutely um i mean it's similar to the force awakens it's like yeah this this probably isn't the best thing you the most exciting thing you could have done but it's got people it's got people interested in star wars again and then obviously you know we know what happened there um (laughs) but 
um there's like the joke about fart shoes where uh walter's like the muppets are so talented and then it cuts to fozzy being like check it out guys fart shoes and he's just wearing whoopee cushions on his on his feet um and that was like a really controversial joke um people are like this is like too lowbrow for the muppets this is wow. like they shouldn't be doing this but the joke is that it's a bad joke that the muppets yeah, wouldn't yeah. do um but yeah so uh took three years but we got a sequel i, re- I remember like thinking there was a time when this wouldn't get a sequel like it feels like one of those things that felt so up in the air for ages and then it's like oh my god it finally happened but it was only three years it's like a pretty normal time for sequel oh release, dude but- the same thing like i had resigned myself that we would never see a sequel to the dark knight like i lived a life <laughs> believing that would never happen and that life yeah. was four years <laughs> you know it, it felt like my entire high school was based yeah. around that but yeah uh, but yeah, we got the Muppets Most Wanted again, directed by James Bobin. It's actually just um, Muppets. They dropped the the. So yeah, Muppets Most Wanted. Mm. Um, and we'll talk about titles um, in, in a little bit. Okay. So Muppets Most Wanted. What is it about? So the Muppets Most Wanted takes place directly after the Muppets, um, where they're now the Muppets are back together. What are they going to do? They are convinced by. Uh, uh, silver-tongued Ricky Gervais to go on <laughs> a world tour, which is actually a front for Ricky Gervais, who is working for um, a Kermit doppelganger named Constantine, who's the most dangerous frog in the world, is his title. <laughs> um, and the plan is the plan that they execute is they replace Kermit in the troupe with uh, Constantine and go on this world tour, which is conveniently next to all of these museums where they can break well, it's in. Not, it's not convenient, it's designed Sorry, to that's be what I mean. Like, yeah. Yes. Um, next to all these museums where they can break in and steal stuff because they're looking for someone or other's treasure. Um, hmm. Meanwhile, Kermit uh, goes to a Siberian prison where he... A gulag. A gulag where he makes friends that's it <laughs> and um, then in the, in the end the good guys win the good well because constantine um proposes to miss piggy to try and get her to shut up yeah. and also to plug to plug a bomb on her ring and kermit turns up and um there's what i thought was a very sweet moment where miss piggy knows which one is kermit because yeah. she asks uh constantine will you marry me and he goes of course pig <laughs> and then she asks kermit will you marry me and he goes oh well um oh yeah i i, I the thing is about that is and which is like it's like that's fucking genius to like yeah, do it because the answer because- isn't no as well and also you can tell yeah. that kermit is like obviously wants to say yes yeah because his life is on the line but yeah. then also just like can't bring himself to lie about it because he's a good person because Kermit is a a good person and that's so sweet that it it takes a um sacred and kind of intrinsic element of Kermit's personality and uses it to complete a a character arc between Mm. or to to round off a conflict that's been at the heart of the whole movie between Piggy and Kermit um because it's of course established earlier um I I think I like this one more than the last one but that being said I think it also feels like a piece of Wikipedia or IMDb trivia you read where it's like originally they were going to go with this idea it feels like it's that idea the one they didn't go with but ultimately I liked it I think more I think the character moments that 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 Kermit thing I just mentioned really got me yeah um and I think the I liked the music overall 
I I disagree with what you said before. I felt like the music in this one is much less Brett McKenzie-esque to the point where when I saw his name pop up in the credits, I was like, what? I like I never heard this because because Brett McKenzie on the first Muppets one was like that was publicized it was national, news, it was national news whereas this one you never heard any of it. and he like he didn't yeah. win an Oscar for this one I don't think they were even nominated for this one yeah um, so. but yeah I loved I loved the songs in this one I loved um there's a song called Thank You Muppets No More Questions between that's sung from Sam oh, the yeah, Eagle, yeah. Um, Ty, Ty Burrell as they're interrogating the Muppets um, and it's very funny and Ty Burrell is so good. <laughs> this movie is such a joy. <laughs> uh, that's something I want to talk about and it's because it's because you you mentioned the they almost went with this idea but then they didn't. So yeah, the, the, the three main human characters are Ricky Gervais' Dominic Badgie um dominic bad guy ty burrell as as an interpol agent and um tina fey as the um the main guard at the gulag Mm. um and it's like they're all great in their own way but i imagine if these were like because the first person cast in this film was um christoph waltz as the interpol agent and um he had to pull out um because of scheduling conflicts and then and then ended up still doing a cameo um but imagine this film with like um, Christoph Waltz as the Interpol agent and like Kate Winslet as the Gulag officer <laughs> and then like fucking Edward Norton as Dominic Bad Guy. That's pretty like, good. This at that, least that would be like just just because yeah to take that fully seriously and like like replacing Christoph Waltz with Ty Burrell seems like such a bizarre choice. Mm. It feels like this is what we're going to do with this film, and they're like, "Oh fuck, we'll just start stick a bunch of comedians in it." Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, this but- is also jam packed with cameos. There's 24 different wow. cameos in it. Um, the best one, the funniest joke in the film, is um, so there, there's three people. Um, Jermaine Clement, the other half of Five of the Concords, is in this film. Yeah. Um, there's like a trio of him, Ray Liotta, and Danny Trejo who are playing prison inmates. Um, and bro, like I was like Ray Liotta is bigger than this. <laughs> he's, he's like a background <laughs> oh, not dancer. Not in fucking 2014. Maybe um, not. Yeah. B movies. Um, Ray Liotta is too know. big for a Muppet sequel. Um, not too but good, he, but it's, it's weird that it's such a reduced role. I guess is what, yeah. what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it's it's like a featured cameo mm. kind of thing. But um, yeah, there's, so there's a joke where Kermit is like looking up at the sky and the girl like, and um, Tina Fey's walking along saying goodnight to all the inmates and she's like you know goodnight christoph goodnight and then uh goodnight zach goodnight goodnight danny trejo <laughs> just the real, I, danny I trejo's playing himself yeah in a siberian prison i cackled especially because danny trejo is not necessarily a household name either so like of all the like you'd pick ray leota and the obvious version of that joke but now yeah. it's become like this under under almost underground it's so funny joke. it's because it's also like as the scene is fading out yeah, yeah. Voice is fading out. it's <laughs> such a good joke yeah um interesting thing about so um danny trejo's mum passed away while he was filming his last oh. few scenes and um he like was was finishing his last couple of scenes and then and was just trying to get through it kind of thing so he could fly back for the fun- to uh, California for the funeral, and the whole cast and crew were like, "Oh man, like you know, offering condolences." And he's like, "Oh, you know, like yeah, it's all good." But then it was um, Steve Whitmire as Kermit the Frog in character, like offered condolences to him, and he broke down crying um, from being comforted by Kermit. Oh, I imagine doing that. If I was Steve Whitmire, I'd be like, ah, 
seems inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad it wasn't. But I, I wouldn't have had the confidence. To yeah, do. I know what you mean. No. Um, um, there's also a really good joke as well where um, uh, they're looking for an usher at the wedding, and it turns around and it's, it's usher. <laughs> yes. So one of the one of the problems I have with the movie, as I mentioned before, is Sam the Eagle plays Ty Burrell's opposite as the American, the FBI agent, which mm, I I CIA. felt betrayed the 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 canon because this again is a is set in the real world and mm. they kind of treat the last one actually as a movie that they just made so this is almost like a third layer <laughs> of, of muppet <laughs> reality um and we've seen sam the eagle be part of the muppets so it felt weird to see him acting as a neutral agent and i was like well who who would it be who could you cast as the american fbi agent and i was thinking at first i was like okay well who was big in 2014 to which the the one and only answer to that question is miles teller who was only big in 2014 and <laughs> never got big again that's um <laughs> that's the same i like if you're having to replace Sam the Eagle with a human being, you go with Nick Offerman. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Actually, that's 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 good. I thought um, Miles Teller got me onto J.K. Simmons as well. Would have been no. probably would have done it as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Brian Cranston probably would have done it. I think. Yeah. Um, I think I looking at it from a certain point of view, it's it's almost like uh, it kind of has to be a Muppet, doesn't it? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it has to be. You you just go with Bobo the Bear. Yeah, man. Yeah, although he was in the last one, I guess. Yeah, but, but who cares? <laughs> yeah. Um. Sorry. Back to the music in this film. Mm. Uh, like, uh, I because I hadn't, I didn't watch this film when it came out. I, I bought it on Blu-ray. I watched it a few years later. But um, yeah, the, like because I the 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 music from Muppets 2011 is so like ingrained in me for the last nine years, and then Muppets Always Wanted. I'd seen it once before this, and I was kind of like, "Oh yeah, I vaguely remember some of the songs." But fuck, the music's good in it. Like, oh, so there's great. the big house song, which is Tina Fey sings an introduction to it. The opening song we're doing a sequel is fucking fantastic. It's yeah. such a, an amazing number. And there's like an extended version, um, which has an extra joke. But there's a couple of funny jokes in the song where they one where they go, "We're doing a sequel." How hard can it be? We can't do any worse than The Godfather 3, <laughs> which we've also covered. And then there's another joke where they go, we're doing a sequel. The studio wants more while they wait for Tom Hanks to do Toy Story 4. Yeah, yeah, that's great. My favorite line, and I've looked it up to get it right, um, is, is they go, we're doing a sequel. And then Dr. Bunsen goes, I don't mean to be a stickler, but this is the seventh sequel to our original motion picture, yeah. um, which was like, oh my God, <laughs> directly into me, AJ, Alexander <laughs> Jones. This joke was made for me, <laughs> made yeah. for our podcast, it's- right? And that's actually the, f- I've, I'm ashamed. That's the first time we've mentioned Dr. Dr. Bunsen, honey, honey, mm. Bunsen, honeydew, um, and Beaker in this episode who i love i love those characters yeah beaker my favorite muppet um <laughs> i do want to say though that um i think part of the reason that oh and also so the song that constantine sings to miss piggy to convince her that he's like in love with her when it's like anything you want i'll give it to you it's mm. like you want to do i'll give it to you you want to do i'll give it to you that is so bread yeah, that yeah. Is, that, that, yeah, that's just a Flight of the Concords song. No, you're um, right. You're like right. if that was in Flight of the Concords, you wouldn't be like, this feels out of place. Yeah. Um, 
because it's like yeah it's like uh you want a cockatoo then give it to you you want a malibu um and they get you want to go to the moon i'll see what i could do um you're right, but there's actually no, right. brett mckenzie sings a version of that song there's a music video for it where it's like brett singing to camera um and it's like a fully produced music video and on the soundtrack for this film which i'm gutted isn't in the last film but it has all of brett mckenzie's demos so it's like wow. him singing um him singing the big house which he sings when you listen to him singing the big house this is a very obscure reference for our international listeners but it sounds like a black seed song which was the <laughs> band brett mckenzie was in before yeah um fly the concords but then he does the demo for we're doing a sequel and i was like oh i wonder what this would sound like coming out of brett but he does all of the voices oh my god it's I have so to good listen to this. you have to listen to it um but yeah his his version of um i'll give it to you uh, or whatever whatever the song's called um yeah it's, it's great there's like a music video and it's like this is just a scene from fly of the concords this is essentially like a a a, 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 a kid friendly if you're into it <laughs> yeah exactly here's the lyrics from the, the big sort of like comedic um set piece of that song that i've got in front of me it says you want a unicorn i'll give it to you you want a puppy dog i'll give it to you you want an ice cream cone i'll give it to you you want a banking loan i'll give it to you you want a satin pillow i'll give it to you you want an armadillo i'll give it to you you want a diamond ring i'll give it to you you want a thingy thing i'll give it to you <laughs> then later on it says you want a taste of fame i'll give it to you you want a little cupcake i'll give it to you <laughs> <laughs> you want a cockatoo i'll give it to you you want a kangaroo i'll give it to you you want a brand new car i'll give it to you you want a hollywood star i'll give it to you you want to go to the moon oh i'll see what i can do <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's fantastic but that's that's such a classic brett mckenzie song you're but right yeah, you are right i, I, would, I, I, can, I would definitely I recommend going out and listening to his version of the big house and um we're doing a sequel because it's so funny hearing him like hearing brett do like a voice i'm so familiar with doing kermit and then when he has to sing he'll like kind of give it up for a couple of words and then <laughs> it will come back it's so it's so good <laughs> that's great but yeah I, I i was impressed with how much i liked this film after kind of just writing it off as like a not very good sequel to to the Muppets. I think because up until watching things for this podcast realizing like just how much it's like yeah it's the muppets it's gonna be good yeah at, at the very least um and what do you think it has a Rotten tomatoes 70 uh 80 um although i remember when it first came out it's it, like when the Rotten tomatoes first started um for this movie the the um you know what do they call it the review embargo was lifted it uh, was on 40 percent wow that's um, very and then, and then it rose to 80 over the, the that's a, such space. a success story when else did that ever mm. happened yeah Wow. I've seen it go the other way, but um Alright, so that's that's the eight films in the theatrical Muppet Canon. Did you have anything else you want to say about Muppets Most Wanted before we move on to one yeah, of the sequence? Yeah, can I um segue into that sequence by reading you some lyrics from uh we're doing a sequel that yes. could be a nice segue into the segment. Are you doing it? Are you what am I allowed to? I said yes, so yeah. Alright. So at the end of the song, they sing, we've got another go to show them we can do it all again. We're doing a sequel. It's more of the same. Let's give it a name. How about the Muppets again? It's the Muppets again with the Muppets again. It's the Muppets again is the end of the song before the title comes up, revealing the title, of course, to be The Muppets Most Wanted. (laughs) Yeah. So this this film was announced as being called The Muppets dot 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 again, exclamation mark. That was the official like thing. And so... um, it's fucking mental 
<laughs> that they didn't cut that part of the song. <laughs> like the, the film explicitly tells you the title is going to be The Muppets Again. Yeah. And then they just don't call it that. And it's never addressed. They don't make a joke out of it. They don't have again come up and then cross it out and say most wanted. It's just... Uh, 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 who's who's who signed off on that and who thought it was that it was okay i get i get not calling it the muppets again like mm. I, I i i think it's a cool title and it fits the muppet the world of the muppets but i i can see why a studio would be apprehensive about that um but my god why would you leave that in the song or you should you should change the song to be all about what they're going to title it and mm. and have those fake titles come up on screen. I would have I and I'm from New Zealand, so I'm I'm at least I'm more Brett McKenzie than a lot of the people who will be listening to mm. this. Um, I would have made the whole song them trying to work out the title and have the title come up on the screen, and then ended on it being called the Muppets again before being sideswiped into the Muppets Most Wanted. If you had to call it that, because another one is the Muppets World Tour feels like an obvious yeah that title. feels like yeah. Um. Yeah. We have Muppets on tour or something like that. Um. Yeah. Like it's one of the most baffling kind of title quirks we've ever seen. <laughs> to me, to me anyway, on this on this podcast. Sure. But yeah. like, I think it's um, we're doing a sequel is such a fucking banger, and it's such a great opening to this to the movie. Yeah. That I can see why they would be like, well, we can't get rid of this. We can't touch this. Yeah, you can touch it a little bit. You can change the last five lyrics yeah. <laughs> in the song. I I think it part of it. I wouldn't be so mad if I didn't. I don't really like Muppets Most Wanted as a title. Yeah, it's just kind of kind of boring. It's the yeah. the original title for um, Great Muppet Caper was called Muppet Mania. Um, although Jim Henson didn't like the working title, um, and uh, he he got pretty much everyone to just suggest titles for the movie. Um, some of the more interesting ones include the Rocky Muppet Picture Show, um, <laughs> A Froggy Day in London. Um, <laughs> however, it was his 19-year-old daughter who came up with the great Muppet Capade, um, but then also said, you know, you could do like Escapade or Caper or whatever. Um, and he was like, great Muppet Caper, I like that. So. Yeah, I do too. I think they're cool. And the, the Muppets cheats my usual sticklerness for... Um, titles by being inconsistent from the start like mm. i think it's kind of annoying that the treasure island one the actual title is muppet treasure island not the muppets treasure island like the muppets present treasure island it's just yeah, muppets yeah. treasure island but like they've been inconsistent the whole way through so that's also acceptable i guess yeah but then also um uh the muppet christmas carol isn't muppets it's muppet christmas carol so. is it yeah, oh, I thought so it was the, the Muppet Christmas, Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. Okay, well that works. Nice. <laughs> yeah, good. Good on you, lads. Um, all right, so uh, we can move and roll along. I haven't made that joke in over an hour. Dugadun, dugadun. Uh, to continue the franchise. Do you explain what this the segment is? Continue the franchise is a segment that we do every episode on the show, where we try and pitch a sequel to the franchise we've just watched. But before we do that, we discuss all the wonderful possible cancelled upcoming sequels that are still to come of the Muppets, which is a confusing thing to do for this time round because, um, as we say, the Muppets extends beyond just movies. Mm. So I guess. We'll talk about where the Muppets is at the moment. Yeah, I kind of just said like, w- yeah, what, what, um, what's post- happened since Muppets yeah. Most Wanted? Yeah. Um. So there was uh ABC's The Muppets, which was a workplace um 
sitcom in the style of the office where it was like that mockumentary kind of format uh about and it had the muppets working backstage at late night with miss piggy um she was the host of a late night show um i watched oh, like half of it mm-hmm. it was cancelled after one season and apparently um after i think i think they made 16 episodes and after 10 episodes they retooled it and it like to try try and improve it. i remember the third episode i think had a joke that i like pissed myself at and i was like this is the funniest joke i've ever seen and i have never been able to remember what that joke was and i haven't revisited the series um i think it's a fucking amazing idea i think it's a fantastic like i'm so gutted that this didn't go longer it's such a great idea of like how to bring the muppets into the modern age um it was like a little bit more brought the muppets back to their roots that it's not like it's not really like a kid's show it's a it's it's supposed to be appropriate for children but that's not their target demographic yeah and then there was also and for tv shows there's also muppets now which was this i think six part series which came out on disney plus this year um and it's it's an unscripted thing so it's about it's like interviews and and um yeah interacting with with real people i was just gonna say we should we should just do the abc's the muppets for film franchise follow-ups I reckon yeah. that'd be a great way to to because it's not very long, so it'd be probably yeah. a pretty easy way to consume a a TV show, which are always a bit more special. And it is on Disney Plus as well. Yeah, exactly. But also announced for um, well, actually, technically never officially announced. Um, but there was a show which Josh Gad and the guys behind Once Upon a Time uh, were working on a TV series called Muppets Live Another Day, which was going to be set after Muppets Take Manhattan. It also apparently had a working title, Muppets Nineteen Eighty Four, at one point. Um, which is when Muppets Take Manhattan came out. And it was going to be um, the Muppets uh, had disbanded after the events of Take Manhattan and would reunite after Rolf disappeared. Um, and then um, it's in September 2019, it was announced that these series had been scrapped due to creative differences following an executive change at the Muppets studio. But yeah, I- I'm gutted that like, because like I said That's before- just such a fascinating idea to actually like yeah. take into consideration the canon of the Muppet movies- which feels very genuine and what the show is does at its best, but also mm. kind of distinctly against the um, studio mandates of whoever's yeah. controlling the Muppets, you know? Yeah. But it seems like, and Frank Oz has said this as well, that like um, the, the the Disney just doesn't know what to do with Muppets at the moment. Yeah. And they kind of just, it, it's, yeah, it sucks because it's, it's such a lucrative franchise. It's such a, and that, that that's kind of why, um, like they just need to be brought back to the forefront and Jason Siegel's not in Muppets Most Wanted because he said I've like accomplished my mission of bringing the Muppets back into the public eye um with the 2011 film I don't need to do it again and now they're fucking dead again yeah yeah but yeah well, have you got an idea for a continue the franchise I have I have a couple one is is um very small I was I was doing the thing where I was trying to think of like in the Brian Henson series what Muppet public domain story should be brought back um and i thought a cool one to do would have been um muppet odyssey like the like homer's Mm. odyssey um which is a lot of pigs in that story um people get turned into pigs all sorts of things so Mm. i feel like it could work really well um and you know you'd have a mainline actor playing odysseus um and all the you know that one i feel just lends itself the simpsons have done the odyssey mm. as well so i feel like that would work um but instead what i want to focus on is a sequel to muppets most wanted um called the muppets in love 
um, and I want to recenter Walter as the protagonist um, for the third part of this trilogy and have it kind of focus on um, Walter falling in love with a non-Muppet character and explore mm. these themes that i'm very interested in of what does it mean to be a muppet <laughs> not philosophically like literally what is a muppet what is a muppet what does this mean um and sort of explore things like um when the guy's way shorter than the girl which is a a, a subject very close to my heart um and yeah use this as a as an avenue to do that where it's like if the first if the muppets 2011 is like a classical throwback to what they've always been about and the muppets most wanted is a crime international well, it's a throwback crime. to the great muppet caper yeah yeah um i want to do like a, a rom-com you know nice so that's mine but the muppets in love which i think mm. it feels like fits with the titling scheme mm. of, of the, the last new. ones yeah um well, it's it's with me. I forgot to mention this, but the um the Muppets twenty eleven was like marketed as a rom com. There was a they released a trailer and posters for Green with Envy starring, <laughs> and it was like there was a trailer which was just all the over dramatic parts, and then it was like starring Jason Segel, <laughs> Amy Adams, Kermit the Frog. Yeah, that's right. And then um and then it cut to Jason Segel with like in the scene where there's a room of like full of Muppets, and he goes wait a minute are there muppets in this movie and then it's and that changes to like a trailer for that <laughs> that's so funny yeah uh, that's great that's great um but uh my idea for continuing the franchise is um so i was thinking about because part of me was trying to just think of like okay what public domain stories can they do and then i was realizing and then i was thinking about well disney fucking doesn't know what to do with the muppets but what they should be doing is instead of just these shitty live action remakes, they should be doing um, Muppet remakes of their films. <laughs> yeah, man. That's like, a good I mean, idea. a lot of them are based on, um, on you know, public domain characters, but there, there's a very Disney um, skin to these things. So it's like, yeah, do the Little Mermaid, but everyone except Ariel is is a Muppet. Do Beauty and the Beast, but the Beast is Sweetums. <laughs> in Sweden's most prominent role in the entire history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's that's um like it's a good idea. Bring bring the Muppets fully into the Disney canon. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, Richard, in terms of what we've got next for the show, um, this was going to be our last film franchise Fortnite of the year, but uh a part of us we've got some plans specifically the most disappointing films of 2020 part two i think we we both feel like we still need a couple more weeks to catch up um mm. and so uh we're going to be doing we're, we're not doing, gonna do it a fortnight later we're gonna do it next week as a bonus film franchise fortnights for the year we're gonna be covering i think it's called follow that bird and almo's adventures in mm. grouchland because it didn't feel right to be the comprehensive franchise podcast and ignore Sesame Street entirely, even though watching the Muppets, it, it, they couldn't feel more separate to me in a way now. But there are mm. two Sesame Street feature films, so we're going to be covering them for a bonus episode of Film Franchise Fortnites next week. And right now we're going to rank the Muppet movie with our list of franchise franchises on ranked at franchise letterbox.com slash copopture slash list slash FFF dash ranking, um, where we rank all the franchises we've ever watched. So this includes the straight to DVD slash VHS slash made for TV movies that we covered last fortnight, but it's being represented just by the Muppet movie 1979. Um, where do you think this should go on our list of 
currently 120, including the Muppet movies. There's 120 films um, on here. I think, I think it should be quite high. Yep, I agree. So let's let's start at our top 10, right? Yeah. So at number 10 is The Terminator. Do we think it's better than The Terminator? Yes. I think it's earned more... It's more like none of the films are better than Terminator 2, but they each mathematically earn um, higher stake than the Terminator as a franchise. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Like if, if if each franchise has 100, Terminator 2 has 70, and <laughs> whereas all yeah, the Muppet yeah, right, movies yeah. have like, you know, a consistent number each, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not very good at maths. Um, okay, so is it so going up from the Terminator is it better than the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the what well, the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Considering we take into account the fact that the Hobbit trilogy, uh, like a like a tumor on the body of Lord of the Rings, drags it down. Yeah. So this is this is the thing, and this is one of the points of contention of um of of ranked at franchise and and um you know considering things different franchises. If you're just talking about like how someone would feel when you go like what do you think of lord of the rings it's not necessarily that they're including the hobbit movies but it's the same as like game of thrones it's like what do you think of game of thrones season one to five or whatever it was Mm. it's like well there's some of the best tv ever made apparently but you can't help but know that it's leading to this point yes um and same with like like star wars would be like that as well where it's like it just has all these like these things that you even though you're just saying Empire Strikes Back is one of the greatest movies of all time. You know where Star Wars is heading. I think the Muppet movie has that, or like the Muppets as a conglomerate is very positive for me. Mm. And I think for you. And so I think it's like, it, 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 it jumps up a few more places because it's like, it's when you think, okay, what, what do you think of the Muppets? Like everything around it is like, is so solid. And then, most of the movies are also great on top of that. Yeah. So you think it, it leapfrogs Lord of the Rings then? Yeah. All right. So next is the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, which I don't know if it is better than. I think we might have found its place. Mm, okay. Above that is the MCU. Mm. I think I could put it above Spider-Man because Spider-Man has Spider-Man 3, which while I love is not a very good film. <laughs> All right, let's put it between Spider-Man and the MCU then. All right. At number eight, the eighth best franchise we've watched. Mm. Happy with that? Like yeah, after after doing quite a quite a few shitty films this year, we've um just in the last few months we've managed to add three franchises to the top ten. Slowly pushing Lord of the Rings out of the top ten, which the, and I know what franchises we have still to do, and that it won't stay in there by the end of this podcast. Oh yeah, lifetime. Oh no, actually, sorry, we have already done Yu Gi Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is um, that is really interesting to see uh the Muppet movie in that placing. I'm more interested by Lord of the Rings and Terminator now being out of the top ten, um, because they're way more frequently listed on reddit threads as the greatest Mm. franchises of all time but we are the experts and we call the shots um so thank you for listening to this episode is there an ending to the muppet show that usually happens that we can you know is there it's time to um stop the music it's time to turn off the lights funny story about that um about that theme song there's a woman at work who um has that as a ringtone and working in a busy newsroom 
you get calls quite often. And my God, it's fucking loud and it's real annoying whenever it plays. Um, and then her text tone is, the, is minions laughing. So we hear those quite a bit. Very cool. Um, so if you like this, please subscribe to Cop Opter on all the places. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on all those places. Um, we have two YouTube channels. One's called Cop Opter. One's called Cop Opter 2. Uh, we renamed <laughs> it from the Cop Opter podcast Cole to Cop Opter. dot, 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 again. <laughs> Essentially. It's T-O-O exclamation mark, where we put um, all our podcasts and movie club stuff um and I think we'll probably put a little Patreon reward that has just been unlocked from reaching 50 patrons. We'll probably go on that channel as well. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, so check out Patreon to see what that is, I guess. Or are they public or is that <laughs> private? I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and stay tuned for the post credit scene after the music stops at the end of this episode. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 're right welcome to the post credit scene today we're going to look at a, a question or a topic to discuss submitted by our patrons over at patreon.com slash and you too can do this by donating five dollars or more to us a month such a small such a small amount of money um and this <laughs> this time our um <laughs> our question comes to us from let's go with this one okay yeah this yep. one comes to us from Ben Close, who says, hey up top, I just want to give a massive thank you for answering my last question about work fatigue. I believe it was on the Terminator episode. Your words genuinely were genuinely really meaningful and encouraging, and I handed in my resignation a few weeks ago. Fuck yeah, Ben! <laughs> Still have no <laughs> job lined up for next year, but actively looking. If anyone's listening and needs an assistant editor, please hit me up. If you'd let me know earlier, I've just left my job as an editor. You could have had that. Oh, there you go. Um, and I've just left my job um, to do nothing. Uh, and <laughs> he, he says, my question is, why do rats eat so much garbage when they're such naturally talented cooks? Of course, a reference to Muppets Take Manhattan, where um, Rizzo <laughs> works in a diner. I, there is a Ratatouille um, flair to Muppets Take Manhattan, isn't there? Because <laughs> of that. Um, uh, I don't know, Richard, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I, I can. I'm quite a reasonable cook um but i eat fucking garbage as well and you're a fucking rat too aren't you (laughs) (laughs) ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started